Blog Talk Radio. Until we get down to zero, 
We're going to have to really take this thing in stride. As you know, in Somerville, there is uh, an ordinance that has been passed that you are in, of course, the city of Somerville, and you go into a business, you have to wear a mask. If you're in Charleston County, starting tomorrow, you have to wear a mask. And this is, again, across our state of South Carolina that has already started and has worked its way from the upstate to the lower state. Fines are going to be put in place. But, but don't complain about it. Let's just do it. Let's just do what's got to be done so that we can get things going again. Again, I don't want to get much into the this report and that report. The realistic part is is that things are worse now than they were when this thing came out. And I don't care about, well, some say, well, they weren't testing back then. Could care less. They're testing now. And now says we have a problem. And we continue to beat the numbers from the day before. So why don't we go back the other way? Let's start beating those numbers. Eugene, I'm going to bring you in. I know you were getting ready to say something, bud, but I want to kind of get that out as the intro to our show today. Yeah, it looks like the town of uh, uh, the Alapalms, Mount Pleasant, the city of Charleston, uh, the town of Somerville, the town of Walsboro um, have all implemented the, the mask requirements if you're uh, going into businesses and things like that. The uh, city of North Charleston has not done that yet. Um, that's the only area that I know of, the only municipality within the area that doesn't have that type of uh, uh, requirement going into effect tomorrow. Tomorrow. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. It looks like the football, most of the, the public schools have uh, suspended workouts until after, uh, what is it, the ninth? So it's about nine days, ten days from, from now. Um, not sure what other schools are still out there on practice, but it uh, looks like, you know, like you said, Dorchester shut down theirs. Charleston County has shut down their uh, uh, football programs from work, or actually it's all athletes from, from working out. Uh, again, it seems like it's going to be a, one of those uh, ban on campuses things. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it, we're back to a 10-day waiting period and see what happens at the end of 10 days or maybe eight days, nine days. or come out with another announcement to see where we're going, to see where numbers are trending and that kind of thing. Yeah, we're back to square one, ladies and gentlemen, and we warned you here. Coach Smitty from C.E. Murray warned us. Multiple coaches have tweeted it, have Facebooked it. Athletes have begged you to not put their situations in jeopardy, and you've done just that. And I don't blame everybody, but unfortunately, we've got a lot more than one bad apple in the bunch, and it's definitely spoiling the whole thing. And again, when you want to come at South Carolina, other states, I challenge you to do this. Keep your people home. That's cool with us. West Virginia, Ohio. You know, you're sending out messages. Hey, if you go to Myrtle Beach and you you can't come back here, like it's it's Myrtle Beach that's, you know, spreading it out. No, it's the people visiting Myrtle Beach. You know, and there's no right answer here. There's no answer that you can just wait at the border and check their temperature and, and let them in, let them out, because Florida's done that for quite some time. I got a chance to go through that line. Uh, months ago, Eugene went through that just a few months, like a month ago, maybe a few weeks back. That's not the answer. The answer is just stay home, you know, because here's what's happening. Our summer is going to come and go, and oh, by the way, whoever said the heat's going to kill this thing, boy, well, you're wrong there. I hope you didn't bet the house on it because you lost it. And, and again, you know, it, it's a lot bigger than football. It's a lot bigger than the fair that, of course, uh, Latin. Uh, county fairgrounds has uh, announced that there will be no fair in October. It's a lot bigger than the bridge run or any other 
uh, event that happens around the world or around the country and around South Carolina. It's, it's lives that we're talking about. And, and Eugene and I were talking about this uh, throughout the day as we prepare ourselves for the show. And, uh, you know, while there may be this report and that report, but, you know, I, I, I don't know if I believe any of them. You know, right now, what is there to believe? Yeah, this doctor said this. Well, that doctor said that. Well, okay, fine. At this point, it's an opinion. Until you start getting me some facts out here, we start seeing some declines and some numbers, you know, I'm, the concern is high. And, and I feel bad. You know, I feel bad for a lot of these kids because here's a senior class coming up that's thinking to themselves, and we're not even talking about the athletes. I'm talking about the entire senior class of 2021 who may have an entire altered year that they have no idea what they're going up against. Now, they have a little bit because of what they dealt with last year in the class of 2020 that had, well, the most unrealistic ending of a year of their career of high school, however you want to put it, but we'll wait and see. Now, of course, uh, when we were on the air last time, Sunday night, we mentioned that uh, Cam Newton is now a New England Patriot. We'll get into that here today. We'll also uh, get into a few other things because we got a well, pretty sad little guest list coming on today. As always, at 630, we, uh, we take the, the bus over to Charlotte, North Carolina. We check in with uh, one of Penn State's own. He plays for Joe Pye. He does a lot of stuff in the media world in the uh, Charlotte area. Of course, he's a huge contributor to Southern Sports Central. And that's Reginald Walker Jr. joins us at 630. Then we uh, head up to the middle of the state where we'll check in with uh, Matthew Scott. This young man has been part of uh, contributing to Southern Sports Central for quite some time. He was in high school, I think 15, 16 years old, and he's in his 20s now. And he is the founder of the South Carolina Youth Diabetes Association softball game. Now, we were supposed to go there last year, but the rainstorms came through, and well, we didn't get out there. But this year, Eugene, myself, and a few others are going to be there. We'll be broadcasting live, kind of very similar like the Home Run Derby. We'll get a lot of interviews. It'll be a lot of fun. A lot of big names coming this year. Boy, I tell you what, he keeps getting bigger and bigger. And it's hard to believe how far this young man has come from his days of a teenager to a grown man. And a lot of good things are coming out of this thing and awareness is what it's all about. But he'll join us at 7 o'clock, tell us about the league and the teams and the, all that's happening. Then at 7.30, we get back in here with a high school coach that we talked to when he first accepted the job at James Island High School, the Trojans, very own head Football coach Jamar McCoy. Yeah, the real McCoy is going to join us at 7:30. He's uh, had the chance to meet a few of his players and hire a few coaches, bring back some guys that we know personally here on the show, and I'm really excited about the opportunity for those two guys because uh, they're two five-star coaches and they can do some five-star things over James Island where they got to play high school football. It's always cool to go back to your town and do what you love to do, and if you were a player to go back and coach there, man. What a memory, what a moment, what a conversation we'll have with that coach and uh, kind of feel out how it's been for him. Of course, he got the news that the season is over as far as the summer season and the workouts. But uh, we'll, we'll talk positive with him. But we are going to hear his thoughts on how do we handle this. Of course, I've got my thoughts. Eugene's got his thoughts. We'll throw that out here tonight. We want to hear from you, by the way. I did put it out on my Facebook page, and, boy, I did get some attention on social media, I had a coach come at me and had some pretty valid points. I'm digging a coach, but here's your opportunity to debate it right here on the show with me. I'd love to hear from you. The number to call in to talk about 
the shutdown of summer season and the wind or the fall sports uh, is going to be throughout tonight's show, probably throughout Thursday night's show. Because not only do I want to talk about what's going on with the what might be, what might not be, what will be, whatever, is call in with that positive answer that you would do if you were in charge of this league in the state of South Carolina, or if you were in charge of another state, how would you handle the sports season coming up in the year 2020, 2021? Uh, you can do that by calling out 323-9681. Again, the number to call is 323-784-9681. Uh, again, you know, don't just call in here talking about, well, it's just not going to happen. I got too many kids. I got this. I got that. That's fine. Well, give me an answer. Because we're in unprecedented times, coaches. So we got to have to have some unprecedented leadership to figure out the answer of what we got to do to get these kids back out on the field and get these kids back in a classroom or at least some type of a learning situation. Because, again, I'm not down about, you know, the kids have to learn at home. That's okay. Because that's a little bit of training for college anyways for the older kids. Because, again, you know, Learning at home is, is is definitely a transition, but I think it worked out pretty well. I thought the teachers in the state, of course, here in the, the low country, did extremely well, staying in touch with some kids, did the best they could do. But if you want to call in tonight, you want to have this debate, you want to call in and give us some answers, maybe there's some other listeners across the country that are listening, and you can, you know, throw a little shine, a little light on them about how they should handle it. You know, Eugene, there's a lot of ways to do it. There's a lot of, uh, uh, again, opportunities, I think, that they have to do what they need to do. And I know there's some baseball coaches who are thinking, well, maybe, just maybe we can play some baseball in the fall. It's a little warmer in the fall anyway. And uh, we can get back where we left off because we were kind of shorted in the spring. And then money comes involved. Well, guess what? They didn't use all their money in the uh, spring, if you know what I mean, because the season didn't finish. There's a little bit of that layover. So, again, you do what? And you bring out the spring sports, a couple of those guys, uh, you know, two, give them two months, let them get at it. Then you go into the next season, two months there, three months there, then football comes in. And I still think you could you could do football somewhere around late January, early February, give them, a, you know, maybe January, February, March. Again, April, it's still a little chilly. Comparatively to the football season, hey, it's nice and right there. It's good stuff. Eugene, I want you to chime in a little bit, bud, because I know uh, you're, you're you're biting at the uh, the opportunity to get into some of this as well, bud. Yeah, I mean, in, in a way, yeah and no. I mean, I have my own views on, on certain things, and, uh, you know, they're not always the popular views, and, and I try to base mine not on my personal opinion, but, you know, on, on people that I know and doctors that I know and people – involved in of course you know i love numbers i love stats and i'm always doing the numbers and, and and things like that so i do have my own thoughts and opinions and you know sometimes uh you know people take what i say when i try to base something on a fact or a number as a personal opinion or maybe it comes across as as uh insensitive or something like that and i, I certainly don't mean to project that i'm not being insensitive and i agree with what you said earlier with you know one life lost is one that shouldn't happen um, and, and I totally agree with that and that, you know, anything that I say or, or put out there with numbers or things like that certainly doesn't diminish the, the loss that someone has suffered. If someone has lost someone that they love or know or, or are close to or things like that, it's certainly not that, 
that way. I don't feel that way at all, and that, that's not my personal belief. But I do have personal belief on, you know, I feel I personally feel like uh, a lot of this has to do with politics. Um, and, and there are people that I know of that, uh, especially um, in certain fields, whether it be medicine or the legal field, that has studied certain things. And, and then when I see when they post on social media, it's kind of like a, you know, a dude, what the heck kind of moment. Like, you know, you've studied this. You're in the same type of settings that I was in years ago. And uh, it, it just kind of baffles me. And I think it, it, when it comes down to it, I think just like the schools, uh, I think there's a fear, not necessarily just of the COVID, but I think it's a fear of litigation. And, um, you know, and I know there's some, a lot of coaches in the state. Um, I was asked not to share, you know, names or schools, but I know it's a, close to 40 now that are working on something, um, you know, to pursue a legal angle of the high school league uh, in the state in allowing kids to play football with some waivers and things like that, that parents would have to sign as well as, you know, those visiting in the stands. Um, and, and their approach, what I was told was that, um, you know, let's, let's leave it up to the parents, you know, they're the best quote unquote deciders when it comes to their children, um, you know, participating or not participating as well as, you know, whether or not that they're going to participate by, uh, sitting in the stands and cheering those folks on. So it is, you know, there's a, there's a huge divide and that's not talking about the politics. That's a huge divide on what people think should or shouldn't happen. Uh, just like there is when it comes down to wearing a mask or not, you know, there, there are people who feel like they have their individual rights to, or to not do that. Um, you know, and, and some people look at, you know what, well, you know, if they're requiring a mask, you know, why require one that doesn't work or why require one that, you know, may work or, and like I said, just it, everybody has so many different opinions and there seems to be such a great divide on that. Um, that it's just, it's just tough because no matter what you do one way, you're going to upset groups on the other side. Um, and so, you know, it, it's almost like if we could just scream stop and go away, but you know, the, the real anger I, or the real frustration I feel like shouldn't be targeted towards schools or coaches or, or parents or, you know, people making decisions. I mean, the, the real enemy here is the virus itself and not people. Um, and I think if, if everybody will get behind at least, you know, let's defeat the virus and let's work on that and, and not, you know, fighting amongst ourselves and get on the kind of same team, uh, I think we would all be a lot better off. Yeah, you know, I agree with you, Eugene. Of course, uh, you know, here's the thing. Don't I struggle with the whole signing a waiver thing, and I and I feel my heart goes out to anybody who has to make that decision to say we're going to play because if something and by God I, I don't want even say it, but if something happens and if you you're the principal, you're the coach, you're the decision maker that decided hey we're going to be the team that's going to do it, and there's an individual in a situation that happens on your watch. Man, that's a, that. I, I don't care how many waivers you sign. That's a lot of sleepless nights. That's a lot of oh man, I wish I wouldn't. But at the end of the day, I would rather just not do it, right? I'd rather not do it, and and I get it. And, and again, there was a politician in Myrtle Beach, and I don't do politics. I, this is not a politics show, so I don't want to get into it. But I'll say this: there was a politician in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, that was going to file uh, some type of uh, litigation against the governor if he didn't open up the state. And he didn't open up Myrtle Beach so that Myrtle Beach could make some money. Boy, oh boy, 
I want to know one thing. Did he make enough money yet? Is he happy yet? You know, where is his uh, – well, where's his opinion now? Because, uh, you know, the good chances are he's not even from Myrtle Beach. Probably didn't even go to school in Myrtle Beach. Just moved there from out of town and decided to come in there and, and, and do what he did. You know, and I've got family from there. I've got friends that I've grown up with down there. And, and yet they are subject to whatever comes into their town. So all for the, for the mighty dollar. All for the mighty dollar to load up hotels and to do the things that they need to do. You know, it, 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 it frustrates me. And I don't want high school football to get to that point. Yes, I miss it. Yes, I wouldn't know what to do in the middle of September, October, and November on a Friday night for four hours. Maybe I'll just do a radio show and we'll just interview a bunch of football players. That's what we'll do, but we'll do something. We'll get these kids hurt. Trust and believe me, you know, the show will go on. We will figure this out. But at all costs, no, not at all costs, because there's always a cost when it comes to life. One life, one life's too many, and that's just where it is. You can go to the doctors, you can go to the lawyers, you can go wherever you want to go with it. But there's a lot of doctors that said the heat was going to kill this. Oh, boy, they're, they're as bad as a weather meteorologist. The lies they tell, because this thing is popping. I mean, if nothing else, we're first in something we don't want to be first in. And we're breaking records and things we don't want to break records in. And it's hot. Trust me, I've been in it all day today. Charleston, South Carolina, the low country it comes up through the ground. It's like walking in to morning breath when you walk in the state of South Carolina in the low country in a summer afternoon. It is miserable. And guess what? The numbers came out again today. And once again, today, we are once again hitting numbers that are quite frankly embarrassing. You know, you look at it, and parents are putting out, and they're disappointed, but the realistic part, 1,000. 781 cases today. That's too many. That first number one is too many. And everybody's going to compare it to the flu and this, that, and the, oh, Look, check it out. Don't do that. Let's handle what we got to handle. Let's stay focused. Let's do what we got to do. Tonight, again, we do have a loaded show. And I mean a loaded show from Reginald Walker coming up here in about three minutes to four minutes. We're going to talk to him about a lot going on. Of course, COVID-19 it is in full-fledged. It's going to be a heavy conversation tonight as we'll talk to him and, and, and see what his thoughts are on everything. And, again, yeah, yeah, we'll, fit the, we'll, we'll figure this out. And uh, we'll talk to him about all the news and notes that's happening. There were some reports that, uh, again, you know, everybody needs something to talk about. So if you put it on the Internet, it must be true, right? Not always. You know, I saw some reports that uh, said that Clemson and Alabama and certain colleges are, are getting the virus on purpose. Come on. Really? Would you really take a chance in putting something in your system that you have no idea, cushions of it? Man, you're stretching it. You're stretching it. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We'll check in. Uh, well, we're going to get a couple more minutes, Eugene, because I don't want to go too early uh, as at 623. But we will not, by the way, do a show on Sunday. We're going to take a three-day vacay, and we're going to, you know, uh, stay socially distanced. And, uh, you know, as far as going out with your mask, man, I'm telling you, it's hard to breathe now. You wait till tomorrow when everybody's walking around with these masks on their faces, Eugene. It's going to be a tough one. I think you, uh, I think if you ever wanted to social distance somebody or make them stay home, that mask is going to make a difference, buddy. <laughs> no doubt. But, uh, you know, there's something, uh, two quick things I want to point out. And then, you know, it, it, one, one is, is more humorous, obviously, than the other. But, uh, 
you spoke about Myrtle Beach. There was a town in Ohio, very, very small town, man, you know, a couple hundred people, but apparently they had a couple uh, parents and kids travel to the Myrtle Beach uh, last week or week before last. And uh, this town had no cases of COVID. And uh, there was a baseball tournament and apparently people in that town that have COVID. So, uh, you know, I saw something that was not not funny, but it was uh, just, uh, you know, usually Myrtle Beach is complaining about Ohio, and now Ohio is uh, complaining about visiting Myrtle Beach. But um, one thing I did see that was quite hilarious, you, you brought up the Cam Newton thing. I don't know if you saw the tweet from uh, Edelman earlier. It was a tweet basically with a picture of him and kind of a an image that looked like it was Cam Newton, and it said, you know, basically like, you know, I'm ready or let's go. And sure enough, the very first reply on Twitter was old Tom Brady, and it was uh, said something like, um, I was your first love. You know, my first instinct of that was just, Tom, move on, man. You're with another team. He's like the uh, the, the boyfriend that's, like, still trying to hang around, you know, with all, with all his uh, – ladies on, on the receiving court, so to speak. And, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was kind of funny. It was like, I was your first love. You know, for, you know, at some point, I'm wondering if Cam Newton's going like, you know what? That's just motivation, baby. Keep putting fuel in the tank, Tom. That's motivation. So, I don't know if they play, and I really need to check that schedule. I'll do that when we go to break, you know. I'm going to check that schedule because that would be a heck of a matchup if Tampa Bay plays um, in New England. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, talking about, you mentioned the baseball tournament. Now, there is that conversation that needs to be had throughout today's show because I do know travel ball is up and running. Uh, I see a lot of things happening. You know, it's uh, it, it, it's a dangerous deal. You know, you're, you're rolling the dice. Uh, no doubt you're rolling the dice there uh, by getting a bunch of these, uh, it, you know, it, it's tough. It, it's a tough deal. I will say this, Myrtle Beach, actually, a new station in Myrtle Beach, WETW Channel 13, a CBS affiliate there in Myrtle Beach five days ago did put out a story that high school athletes tested positive for COVID-19 after a training in Myrtle Beach. Uh, of course, uh, at that time, it said fall sports are uncertain. And, uh, well, the certainty is now there, and that is their certainty to not go forward with it. So, you know, these seven-on-sevens that I see guys that are going to the state of Florida. And, and dads, I, I see your tweets. I see your Facebook posts finally from football. But do you want to play football now? You just want to call it a seven-on-seven season and be done with it? Or do you want to play football in the fall or at least in the spring when it's supposed to be played and we can have at least a realistic football season? Again, are we that hungry now that we just can't wait for dinner? Are we going to ruin our appetite by a little bit of dessert? You tell me. We want to hear from you tonight, guys. I'm challenging you. You got a plan? You got an answer? You got a gripe? Come on in. Hang out. Three, two, three. 784-9681. That's the number to call. we got to go to break because when we come back, we're going to Charlotte, North Carolina, the one and only Reginald Walker, Jr. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Nick Shopman alongside Eugene Benton for Southern Sports Central. Of course, we're waiting on right now at any point. Hopefully, Reginald Walker Jr. joins us for his uh, his regular segment uh, here at 6.30 as he'll check in with us. But, uh, you know, a lot to talk about there as uh, we, we kind of get into, you know, what might be, what might be in the future. How are they going to handle this? Of course, you know, uh, if you're just joining us, uh, I believe I don't haven't seen anything from Berkeley County yet. By the way, Berkeley County is one of the counties uh, in uh, the surrounding areas here in the Low Country that uh, I haven't seen anything from them, Eugene. Uh, and I'm going to get you kind of look around a little bit, see if you see any information coming out of uh, that area. But we do have them on the line, so we'll head for the Camp Farm Hotline and say good afternoon, Mr. Reginald Walker Jr. As he comes to us all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina. What's up, brother? What's going on? How y'all doing down there? Well, we're all right, man. They just canceled the summer season of workouts in uh, Dorchester County, Charleston County, uh, and that, of course, uh, Horry County was yesterday. Man, it, 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 
just looks like uh, it, it ain't looking good, brother. I'll tell you what, if I was to make an opinion right now, it wouldn't look good in a few months. Well, yeah, you're right. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've been saying to folks is, look, you don't a mask wearer or not, the reality of the situation is this. The longer there is a resistance and the case numbers continue to spike, the longer we're going to deal with not being able to do things the way we want to do them. So right. at the end of the day, I, I, I'm not, this is not a political side of it. I don't care. What I do care about is the same thing everybody else wants, to be able to do what they've normally done. And the only way we're going to get that right now is taking our time and doing what we don't want to do for a couple more weeks, maybe a month, and then we may have an opportunity to get back to going to work out at the football field and getting to see some games on Friday nights this fall. Yeah, no doubt about it. Live right now, Reginald Walker Jr. played his days with Joe Pye. And, of course, the Nittany Lions up there at Penn State. He's currently a huge contributor on Tuesdays and multiple days here on Southern Sports Central. Of course, you can hear him on a couple of different college atmospheres uh, in Charlotte as he takes care of uh, some needs there as well and does some TV stuff. So, uh, as always, all of us very busy wearing multiple hats. Uh, the one hat that you got to uh, get put on yesterday uh, was, uh, was it a New England Patriot hat? Because I know you're, uh, you're a Cam Newton fan like myself, man. Do you follow him to New England? I, I won't follow him to New England, but I will support him in just continuing to build his career, continuing to uh, become a better player, uh, because I think there's some room for Cam to improve. I think, you know, now going through this time where, you know, he's dealt with the shoulder injury and he's dealt with uh, the foot injury, I hope that Cam comes out of this understanding I've got to be a more accurate passer. I've got to be better getting the football out of my hands quickly and getting it to the right targets quickly and let them do the work. I don't have to use my arm strength to get the ball down the field. I can put it to a guy on a dime in the right step, in the right spot in the route, and let him take a five-yard catch and take it 50. I don't have to throw it 50 in the air by myself. And when you start to see things, actually, Eugene brought this up. Seems like Tom Brady still, even though he's dating somebody else, known as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he still has a eye on his ex-girlfriend up there in New England. As uh, he still interacts with social media, man. Any surprise there? He kind of made a, uh, a statement about, "Hey, I thought I was your first love." Yeah, he, he he's going to do that. And one thing about Tom Brady is, you know, he's always kind of looking for an angle. Um, to give himself the additional edge. That's what great ones do. They find a way to give themselves the additional edge, and that's all he's doing. That's a piece of motivation for him as the rain pours down here in Charlotte. That's a piece of motivation uh, for Tom Brady that he'll continue to use at all times. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's actually coming around the back end of the studio. We can hear the thunders. Of, uh, of the uh, the thunder coming around the back end, dark clouds coming around. So it is the summertime, right? This is what we do. We deal with late thunderstorms and uh, even hotter evenings as they start to clear out of here, hopefully pretty quickly. Uh, you know, when you start to kind of look at the NFL, you know, they've got their thing. But earlier, right before we went on the air, Major League came out with an announcement that there would be no minor league baseball. And this is sad to me because I love the River Dogs. I love Thursday Thursdays. I love everything that happens over at Joe Riley Park, but when you think about some of the family fun environments and the things 
that won't happen. It's just another, wow, the reality of how strong COVID-19 really is and the effect it's going to have not only today, but this is going to have a huge effect in a lot of cities when it comes to the financial hit as well. Yeah, you're right. And I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize that, generally speaking, uh, major league teams are the ones paying the salaries of minor league players. Um, so in terms of the ballparks and ballpark operations and all of those folks, they make money off the ticket sales in the minor league ballparks. So whether it's the River Dogs, the Charlotte Knights, uh, the, the High Point Rockers who are there in independent league, um, the, the, the Cannonballers up here in, uh, in, in North Carolina as well, uh, the, the, uh, the, there's a team down in Greenville as well. Um, all those teams, those folks that work for those teams, money is not coming into the organization. And so now all of a sudden you're not selling tickets, you're not selling parking, you're not selling hot dogs, you're not selling uh, soft drinks, you're not selling adult beverages, you're not selling any of that. And so those folks not coming through the turnstiles really impacts um, not only the team as a whole, but the folks that work there, that is their income. And I think folks sometimes lose track of that and think, well, they got all this money coming down from the major leagues. That's not totally accurate. And so it is a lot harder on these minor league teams um, and organizations to keep things reviving and, and keep things going. If you look at the situation here in Charlotte where the ballpark is, uh, it becomes a nice little area. It's right across from the park. It's walking area to some restaurants and bars. All of those places are impacted when there's not a game on a 75, 85 degree night on a Thursday in uptown Charlotte. Yeah, for me, again, baseball is part of what they do, but it's the entertainment between innings. It's the different things that they're able to kind of promote, be it some type of an awareness or some type of little league that may be going on around the leagues, of course, are the states or the, the cities that they're in. And the Greenville Drive, which is who you just mentioned, they're another one of those great established Boston Red Sox organization teams that continue to do great things. Of course, the Yankees are affiliated down here with the River Dogs. That right there has an automatic robbery sound to it, right? Yankees. Absolutely. I mean, we're not going to see that now. So tell us a little bit about how do they recover from this? Because right now it, it looks to be okay. It is what it is. But this is going to have a longer effect not only in the right nows, but what about these athletes? Because, again, they don't get a whole lot of money in single-A ball, and especially that lower-edge single-A ball. This is a huge deal financially for the ball players as much as anybody. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize a lot of these ball players, especially single-A, single-A short season, extended rookie ball, rookie league, these guys are living four or five guys in an apartment, one guy sleeping on the couch, Another guy sleeping, two guys are sleeping on bunk beds, and another guy's sleeping in the kitchen next to the refrigerator just so they can make ends meet. Um, I say that facetiously, but in a lot of ways, that's the case. These guys are trying to find a way to survive just so they can get up and go to the ballpark every day so they can try to achieve their dream. And so all of a sudden, to not have any income uh, is going to be a major factor. Also, the other piece of it is it's still about development at the minor league level, right? So while they're not going to get paid this year, they also lose a year of development so they can work towards the next goal of getting the double-A ball or triple-A ball or, you know, to the, obviously to the major leagues being the ultimate goal. So these guys are losing not only the money, but they're losing the on-field development time as well to improve their game and try to reach the ultimate dream of making the big, big money in the huge contract. 
Live right now with the one and only Reginald Walker Jr. coming to us live from Charlotte, North Carolina for his 6.30 segment right here on Tuesday afternoon. Of course, he knows a little bit about college football because he played for one of the great ones, Joe Paterno over there with the Nittany Lions and Penn State. Now, talking college football, you know, I think college football's taking the opportunity that they're not out and about as much, and they're actually watching videos. They're actually watching some of the things that they might not have had the time to do had everything open back up on a regular stance. One of those guys, and Eugene and I were talking about this earlier, reminded me a lot of Steve Spurrier when he came to the Gamecocks, is that young man, well, not really, Mac Brown, however, at North Carolina, signs a five-star defensive guy and continues to load up the Tar Heels for what could be a very impressive next three or four years. The Tar Heels are rolling, and I've said this before. Um, I've I've said that I think Sam Howell will find his way to New York before he leaves North Carolina um, as a Heisman candidate. They're only accelerating my thought on that because the other side of the football, and really not just the other side, the entire football team, the way they're recruiting, at least on paper. Now, again, you've got to develop the recruits, right? But the high-level recruits are coming in which means you're surrounding Sam Howell and the other guys that are the foundation of this, of this Mac Brown, uh, North Carolina return. You're surrounding them with high level talented players, which generally means more points on offense, improved defense, more wins. And all of a sudden you get more wins and you look up at Sam Howell's putting up 30 plus touchdowns, 40 touchdowns, keeping the interception number low with all the talent he has around him he will find his way to New York. So I think that process is coming to fruition, and I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe we'll see what happens uh, if, if they play in 2020 or what 2020 looks like. But I'll tell you what, 2021, when Sam Howell's a junior, and generally speaking, the game slows down for him, and some of these other guys are sophomores, look out. This team's going to be really, really dangerous in the ACC. Switching hey, gears to the ACC. Go ahead, buddy. Sorry, but sorry about that, uh, Reggie. Uh, speaking of Sam Howell, I actually followed his recruitment. Uh, as you probably are aware or remember, he was committed to Florida State for a long time. I think that yes. goes back to uh, the coach now at Texas A&M. So things started to change a little bit, though. As you know, Fedora was let go. Mac Brown came in, and I believe he was at the uh, I can't remember which uh, was it the Army All American game or one of those All American games. And you know, he was still committed to uh, Florida State. And he got with some guys going to North Carolina. He's a North Carolina kid. And then all of a sudden, just kind of quietly, he switched to North Carolina. Came in as a freshman last year. And, you know, I'm sure he probably thinks he could have had a better season. But what he did as a true freshman coming, you know, being thrown to the wolves, so to speak, in, in the ACC and the schedule they had, you know, he seemed to do really well. And it really looks like uh, Mac Brown and those guys are building on him with like you know they they just got a recruit uh, commitment from a big time receiver in Myrtle Beach and, and you know some athletes around some skill guys some speed like you said they're also improving on the defense because sometimes it looks like you know if if a college team has this high level player like a clowny or even like you said like Sam Howell's a freshman saying you know this guy's gonna be an NFL quarterback if you're a receiver come catch these passes the next two three years put up some big numbers that'll help you when you're trying to go to the next level as well. And I really think Mac Brown and that staff is parlaying, you know, a little bit of success and uh, using uh, Howell's uh, early success and probably his 
his window and his ceiling, which is seems to be really high as a recruiting tool. Absolutely, because and, and, and it's smart to do it that way, and here's why. Think about the quarterback position and its importance to the game of football, especially at the NFL level. If you don't have a quarterback at the NFL level, if you have poor quarterback play, you're not going to win. That's just the bottom line. And so what teams do is they send an exorbitant amount of scouts to watch high-quality college football quarterbacks. Well, guess what? If I'm Mac Brown, I'm telling every single receiver I sit in their house, you know what, in two years or three years, Sam House projected as a top-five pick, which means guess what? We're going to have 20 NFL teams at every game. You play wide receiver. Don't you want to go to the NFL? Guess what? You come play with Sam Howe, the eyeballs are going to be there. All you have to do is perform. That is the mastermind way to recruit by using a high-quality, talented player to your advantage to help you bring in other players, not just because they get to play with that kid, but because they get to be scouted as much as that kid. Because all you have to do is flash when, when the – and I'm making this up. When the Seahawks show up, to see Sam Howell, if you flash as a receiver, they go, oh, we better keep an eye on that kid. And now you've just gotten on somebody else's radar. Yeah, I would agree. Eugene, great points there. Again, you know, the one thing that we enjoyed the most is following these young kids from their high school days to their college days and then watching that draft happen. Where do they land? What do they do? And great things happen. We talk about return of the Mac. Boy, that's not going to be his theme song. I would say in 2020, uh, it, it's got to be something close. Let's go to the SEC and another coach that I think is doing an incredible thing. And we've had some young uh, up-and-coming Tennessee volunteers on this show and one currently on the roster over there at Tennessee. And we asked the question, what is it about Tennessee? Why are kids going back and falling back in love, almost like it was with Philip Homer days back in the 90s? And it's because Jeremy Pruitt is a relatable coach. They understand the young kids they're recruiting. And then the GAs that they're talking about, Reginald, are young. And, of course, on the same at least wavelength as some of these kids. What do you see at Tennessee? Because I think this guy is building something very impressive and quietly over there in the SEC out of the East. He knows how to build it. He learned from the master architect himself in Nick Saban. And that's the beginning of it. Why do you think we've seen so much success with a guy like Kirby Smart. See, it's one thing to be on Nick Saban's staff and be there for two or three years. Mike Loxley is an example of that. He's not doing so well at Maryland. But when you're Jeremy Pruitt and you were there for a number of years, when you're Kirby Smart and you were there for a long time, what happens is all of the little things that a lot of newer coaches allow to slip through the cracks, you don't make those same mistakes. And so when you think about what Nick Saban has done, how he keeps a pipeline of the next set of assistants by using the analyst process, by using the GA process, all of these different structural things that he's put in place, that's the same thing that Jeremy Pruitt's doing. And think about this. When you, uh, let's, let's, let's look at a guy like Steve Sarkeesian. When he first went down to Alabama, you know what his role was? His job Rose. as an analyst was to look at third down, third down defenses from the other football team that they were going to play the following week. That was his only job. Watch third down and give us a report on what they like to do on third down. If you've got a former head coach that's got a job to just drill down on one down, there will be nothing missed on that down. So when that information gets to Nick Saban, 
There will be nothing missing. Nick can diagnose it, work with his coaches on it, and they know how to attack that next football team. That is what Jeremy Pruitt is building slowly because he has the foundation and he got it from the architect that may be, may go down as the greatest college football coach we've ever seen. All it'll take is probably one or two more national championships. Some folks may say Bear Bryant, different names, Bobby Bowden, Joe Paterno. I get all that. But what he's done in this era with the BCS and the college football playoff, it's hard to argue that he's not at least in the top five. And the reason why is because he leaves no stone unturned. He keeps every detail covered. That's the same thing Jeremy Pruitt is doing. That's the same thing we've seen Kirby Smart build at Georgia as well, and we've seen the success follow it. Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. You start to kind of look at that Nick Saban tree, and and it is full of great fruit around the league, not just in the SEC, but around anywhere he's, of course, uh, come in contact with, be it Michigan State, be it LSU, even with the Dolphins for a little while. I'm sure he's rubbed off on a few of those coaches. But, you know, we talk about a different era. How about the era now when you look at some of the standards or at least some of the rules and some of the things that change in recruiting because these universities right now, the SAT is not going to play as a major role as it has in the past, and these are the things that kept some of these really good athletes. They just weren't as good in the classroom, but this is the thing that kept them out of these universities. How much do you think a guy like Dabo Sweeney or even you go to Texas A&M or down to Florida – where these guys are like, look, I can go get him now. We don't have to worry about this SAT score. Your thoughts on how you're going to see football and some of the other sports in college maybe start to see a little bit different athlete come out that's really good but never had the opportunity until now. Yeah, I think, I think what will happen is it will be twofold. I think it will help, obviously, some of the higher-level programs um, that, you know, obviously so many kids won't necessarily be forced to go to the junior college route, right? And then on the flip side of that, because of that, I think you'll see some better players um, that we that maybe have the academic prowess, if you will, um, that are not quite as athletically talented, right? Athletically gifted, they may slip to some of these non-power five programs. Uh, if you've got some, per se, some five-star kids that had some, you know, some different academic things that they weren't able to work through in the past, that now they can kind of work their way through them now with the way the new rules are set up, all of a sudden there's that other three-star kid that you would think we can develop him over three or four years. Instead of going to Clemson, instead of going to Florida State, maybe that kid ends up at App State or Coastal Carolina, uh, which we've seen that recently. Uh, a Miami commit who wasn't able to get in academically, he's found his way to Coastal Carolina. So all of a sudden that's a talented kid from South Florida um, who had to find his way somewhere else so he doesn't play in the ACC, he ends up playing for Coastal Carolina, and all of a sudden that football team has a, a, a talent level, uh, at least on paper. Again, it's about the development, right? But a talent level that okay. most people didn't think they could get onto their campus. Yeah, those are great points because I, I think you're right. I think what's going to be feast in one is going to filter in the other because in the past maybe that young man who had the talent just didn't have the grades has to go to a Georgia military college or somewhere in Kansas, and then he finds his way in. Well, now that's not may not be the problem. Yet, on the other side, a kid who's got some talent but is definitely in the classroom very strong, and that's helped him get in. So maybe you see the flip-flop situation. 
financially. We talked about baseball in the minor leagues and how it's going to affect a lot of things and different things. How about in college football? Report coming out in different areas that Michigan's Harbaugh and, of course, Howard are going to take a 10% pay cut. And also, you start to kind of look around with Iowa reducing their budget by $15 million with the virus and everything in that basket. How much do you start to see this situation start to play a factor, Reginald, and how big is it? Because we talk about bringing college football back without the fans, but think about the revenue in the stands that brings in the concession stands, the parking, and a lot of other things that we're not just seeing only in the ticket that gets them in the door. I think many of the Power 5 schools can survive. I didn't say they would thrive but I think they can survive a year without it. Um, I think when you look at a place like Michigan, to use them as the example, for Coach Harbaugh to be able to take 10%, uh, for, for somebody like Jawan Howard to be able to take 10% less, uh, listen, I'm never going to tell anybody that they should volunteer to take less money. That's not my job. But what I will say is this. There are other places, right, maybe a place like a Coastal Carolina or a South Carolina State or a – Gardner Webb, a little bit harder to ask that coach who may only be making, you know, because Harbaugh we know is making millions. His salary starts with an M. It's got seven numbers in it. I'm pretty sure Trey Lamb at Gardner Webb is not making a million dollars. I'm pretty sure Buddy Pugh at South Carolina State is not making a million dollars. So if all of a sudden, let's just say those salaries are closer to, I don't know, 250 grand, it's a lot harder to ask them to take a 10% pay cut. And, oh, by the way, a 10% pay cut at Gardner-Webb, that's a big budget decrease because their budget is not as big. It's nowhere – it's a fraction of what a place like Michigan's might be. So with all of the different things coming in, I think some of the Power 5 schools uh, can, can survive maybe losing some games or not being able to have fans in the stands. I think – they can get because of TV deals and things of that nature. But when you look at other schools that don't have these big TV deals to fall back on, they need to play games with fans because that's the only way they are bringing in the additional dollars. If Michigan plays Penn State three weeks from now with no fans, guess what? They're going to draw 5 million eyeballs on TV, which means the Big Ten Network or ABC or Fox or CBS, whoever has the game, they're paying for that, and the advertisers are going to pay for that because they know everybody's sitting at home, and they're going to do nothing but what? Watch that game. Well, Gardner-Webb versus Coastal Carolina, that game's not on TV. There's I think one thing, that, that, that's going to open up another thing, and, and Richie and I were talking about that before, just like the high school games. If there are games, you know, perhaps uh, not just, you know, tooting our own horn here, but, you know, perhaps that can open up some avenues of at least uh, – some radio games. Maybe we go back to some of that to some extent. Um, you know, either they're on the high school level or even, like you said, some of the smaller colleges. Now, sure, it's not the same. It's not going to be n- nearly th- the same in revenue. Um, but, you know, and, and, and you brought up the Big Ten. I don't know if you saw this earlier, but apparently Kirk Ferentz just took a massive cut in his pay. Again, you know, a guy making $4 million, $5 million a year loses a million. He's still got $3 million. You know, one could argue he's going to lose that in tax revenue or tax uh, taxes anyway, but still, you know. And he's it, been making over a million hit. for 21 years. <laughs> yeah, and that, but the thing is, not just for those guys, but 
that, that you talk about, but look at the assistant coaches. Now, the assistant coaches, I get it. You know, some of them, like Venables, is making, you know, close to $2 million a year. But for the most part, in high and in, in, even in the big colleges, those guys are making a couple hundred grand. Now, if they lose half of their income, you know, because, you know, if you've ever been to where uh, the Clemson coaches live, it's a very nice neighborhood. You know, everybody's got big houses. Everybody lives, you know, pretty much walking distance to, to Dabo. His is the first house on the left in the neighborhood. But, you know, there, there's some pretty hefty mortgages that those guys are toting. And uh, to get those cuts, man, they're, they're still going to feel the pain. You know, and I'm talking about the assistant coaches there. Absolutely. No, they, they certainly do. And I think uh, I think I'd have to go back and look. But I remember reading the information on Michigan. I think it was uh, Harbaugh and those guys that made, uh, I think, north of – there was a certain number. I think it was, it was either 200000 or half a million. Uh, they were taking 10% pay cuts. And then there was a tier in there that was somewhere like whatever that number was down to a hundred thousand. And they were only asking them to take a 5% pay cut. And then anyone less than that, they weren't asking them to take cuts at all. So I do think that's important. I do think um, that is very strategic and smart by the school to kind of protect some folks that don't have as much cash flow coming in, because to your point, a million dollars versus $250,000, that's a lot of that's a lot of money in between there. That is a big salary gap, if you will. Uh, so you're right; it does trickle down to the assistants. It does trickle down to to everybody in the athletic department. You can't walk up to a second secretary, you know, or a football operations person who's making thirty eight thousand dollars a year and say, "Hey, we're going to take four grand out of your pocket." That 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 will more than sting. Um, and so you're right. But that's what I do like about what Michigan was able to do is kind of protect some of the folks that don't have as much wiggle room in terms of the salary that they make. Now, again, I'm never going to tell somebody that they should volunteer to take a pay cut, but I respect anyone who has and who does because they are looking out for the long-term interest of not only themselves, but I think the viability of their programs and of the business model so that it can continue to pay out other folks, including themselves, for years to come. All great points, and as always, 30 solid minutes. We're still working on getting uh, the man here, Mr. Reginald Walker Jr., an hour. If we can get that power hour from 7 to 8, boy, that would be great. But we take 30. We appreciate it, man. As always, uh, I hope you and the fam are great doing safe things. And, uh, man, I'm just uh, always excited to get you in here on Tuesday nights, man, because it seems like we – Always run out of time because there's always so much to cover. But maybe Thursday we do it again if you can find some time. Other than that, man, we appreciate the time you give us and uh, give you an opportunity to give yourself a plug and uh, give the listeners a chance to follow you and find you on social media. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate that. And, and let me say one thing before I, before I get out of here. If you didn't read the story from Akram Wadley, the former Iowa running back, and, and listen, I know what happened at Penn State. We, we are all aware of that. So I'm not going to, to uh, sit here and go fire and brimstone on Kirk Ferentz or whatever went on in that program. But read that story. Take it in for yourself. Formulate your own opinion. To hear a kid say that it was a living nightmare in a situation where it's supposed to be the best four years of a young person's life, that hit me, and if it doesn't hit you, I don't know. Um, I, I, 
obviously, whether you believe them or not, that's someone else that's that's up for debate between you and yourself. I'm not telling you to believe them or not. What I'm saying is, as a fan of the sport, as a fan of athletics, as someone who believes that sports can teach us a lot of good lessons, reading what Akram Wadley described really hit home for me. And I just hope that those types of things are not thoroughly prevalent across the sport because it would break my heart if it was. So I leave you guys with that. I hate to leave on a somber note, um, but uh, I'm always on Twitter at rwalk13, R-W-A-L-K-13 is the best way to reach me. I love to interact. So uh, anybody out there on Twitter that wants to interact, we can interact. We'll do it respectfully. We can agree and disagree, but it's always fun to talk a little sports, so we'll do that. And until then, guys, I'll talk to you next week, Richie. Talk to you next week, Eugene. I'm sure we'll talk offline before that. But until then, guys, we are. I'm out. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Here's another nugget to that. He actually played at Penn State. He actually played for Joe Pye. He has the understanding the situation there in uh, in that whole realm thing. So it's a little bit more personal, I would imagine, when he reads things and sees things. So that being said, we got a break because we got to come back and join with Matthew Scott. He's with the South Carolina Youth Diabetes Association. He has his annual softball game coming up in October where he's going to host it for the second year in a row in his hometown. And, boy, he's bringing quite a VIP group of guys and girls along with him this year. This may be one of his biggest turnouts yet. We got a break coming back with that man right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. And welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Yellman alongside Eugene Benton. We are Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio, Tuesday edition, another hour in the books. want to thank our big man, Reginald Walker, Jr., coming all the way from Charlotte. He, of course, played his days for Joe Pye and the Nittany Lions over there at Penn State. He's currently doing some things with Gardner-Webb and UNC Charlotte as uh, their seasons hopefully will get up and running as he's not only on TV, he's also on the radio with those guys and right here on Southern Sports Central multiple times throughout the week. And, of course, uh, helps us uh, just get a little bit better as he joins us uh, every Tuesday night at 6.30. Now, back by popular demand and a man who has done a great job since the day we met. I think this young man might have been 15 when he first came on, he might have been 16, but I'm going to push 15 when uh, he joined us for the first time ever. Matthew Scott, now he's in his 20s. He's got a lot of possible things in his future outside of the softball game. But he is, of course, uh, the founder of the South Carolina Youth Diabetes Association softball game coming up in October. So we head to Kershaw, South Carolina. What's up, big man? How's it going there, Matthew? What's going on, man? Every time you introduce me, it's like I always got to – follow up with that it's, it's tough <laughs> <laughs> it's tough you just keep doing what you're doing i'll take care of the intro man you're living up to the hype but how were how old were you i mean let's think back i think 2012 13 i think i think that's when you first came in here with me and we talked about this league with a lot of your family and of course your mom and i uh had connected had her on your uncle i, I believe it was almost a family affair at one time uh the first time that we guys uh had you all on 
Yeah, it's it's been a family affair nonetheless. But uh, crazy enough, it's back in 2014. I decided to be <laughs> I decided to be bold and try to take on a new challenge with uh, trying to help numerous kids who've dealt with the same disease as I have for me personally going around. I think this past April was 15 years since I was diagnosed. Talking about youth diabetes, guys, this is a real deal, and it affects more athletes around the country than you ever can imagine. And we're not just talking about, you know, in the NFL or right there in college or even in high school. This goes all the way down into the little leagues. I've known at least a dozen young ladies and young men who have been diagnosed with this. And, of course, Matthew as well, who has taken – uh, something that some may say is uh, is a hurdle, he looks at it as an opportunity to take it into a softball game to bring in not just some individuals that may deal with diabetes, but their families dealt with it, their friends have dealt with it, their teammates have dealt with it. Somebody, and everybody knows somebody who deals with diabetes, but they come out and do a incredible job. First, they do the softball game or vice versa. I'm not sure which way it goes, Matthew. But then you do the home run derby, and I tell you, your list this year, man, did you go big? Without a doubt, you went huge on this roster. <laughs> yeah, as a as a uh, as you know, Richie, I'm a Clemson guy. I'm I always got to be all in for this. Uh, and the crazy thing is, I'm still not done building the roster because I I still have plenty of names I'm trying to circle and pinpoint down into saying, hey, you want to come play, and you know try to as you put up the hype into as a way of me trying to actually fulfill that hype. <laughs> a little bit of pressure never hurt nobody, big man. And that's what you're all about, man. Again, you know, I see some of the guys that are coming in, and, and here's what I like about Matthew. I'll be laying there thinking I'm getting ready to pass out. It's somewhere around 1130, and all of a sudden the phone goes across my wherever it's at on the dresser or whatever, and I look at it, and there's Matthew. He's like, man, I just landed another one. I've got somebody else playing, and it's like 1130 at night. I'm thinking, kid doesn't sleep at all. <laughs> oh, but that's man. what it takes, it's... Matthew. It takes an all-in. It takes an everything you've got mentality. And look at the reward that you're getting. And, again, I think it's even cooler. As much as I would love to have it come to Charleston, I still would like that to happen. I have a spot, by the way, over to Hagen Park uh, when you're ready to bring it here. Uh, and I think it would be a great place for us to do it. It's a family-friendly recreation department, I, I, you know, and, and they would love to host it and, and bring us all in over there. But you're having it in your backyard there at Kershaw. I, I think that's huge, man. What a deal. And, and yeah, what it for and, you to do it. And then it's actually looking back after coming off of last year and the year before, you know, when we did our five years in Lexington, we kind of – it was – it was a interesting position for me to be, you know, I was put in trying to find, you know, I th- where I thought I'd have a consistency, you know, down in Lexington. Unfortunately, things didn't work out, but that's, you know, how things work. And so, you know, after, you know, long, you know, consideration looking at the, you know, the map of the great old state of South Carolina, I just kind of said, you know what, I think it's, I think it's time we come full circle with it. And after last year, I kind of just, you know, as you know, you know, Richie, both my parents are the – my dad's the right-hand man behind the operation, and my mom's the left-handed person behind the operation. And so it's – I just told myself, I'm not – I don't have any intentions of leaving 
Kershaw again. Uh, you know, it, I think we finally built something very special with a, a lot of potential this year. You know, in Kershaw, as you you know, as you keep seeing the names piling up one by one from you know former Cy Young winner Black Jack McDowell, you know Big John Abraham who played with the Atlanta Falcons, and you know there and there's more to come, and that's the he's exciting a, he, thing about he's a, it. He's, He's a former Gamecock. I know you're a Tiger fan, but he's a former Gamecock. Oh, yeah, I know. Give him some. <laughs> I, I, look, I, look at, I look at the big picture, the first-round pick. I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, man. I got to poke some fun at you. Hey, man, a number that I did pull up, man, and I know it's probably a little bit higher, but uh, well, about 210,000 Americans under the age of 20 are estimated to have uh, diagnosed diabetes, approximately 0.25% of the population. Now, in 2014 and 15, the annual um, incidence of diagnosed diabetes in youth was estimated at 18,200 with type 1 diabetes and 5,800 with type 2 diabetes. You know, that's really kind of what we want to talk a little bit about as well. What is it? it describe type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and, and how much has this awareness by throughout sports, no surprise, has helped grow the positive momentum to get those kids to feel like, hey, it doesn't matter that you, you that you deal with this every day. You'll do what you need to do as long as you don't overdo it and you prepare yourself. Yeah, uh, I'm just going. I'm probably going to go backwards here, but uh, as far as type two goes, a lot of younger kids that usually are diagnosed with that just from a not not the major, you know, as I like to tell people, pancreas. Your pancreas stops working for you to be type one. You know, with type 2, being at a young age, you still have those little, uh, I guess you could say spurts of insulin coming from your pancreas. You know, your pancreas is still trying to, you know, do its job and trying to, you know, where you still have that everyday living. And yet it's it's so amazing to see how far, you know, way back when, you know, diabetic technology has come. Because, you know, the type 2 people that I know, they can either take, you know, they have the option of either doing insulin, you know, uh, some uh, I can't think of the name off the top of my head. I have to, I guess I have to message you this one later. But it's like a another type of medicine where you really don't have to truly focus on the insulin, which is, to me, it's mind-blowing. And then, you know, type 1, you know, your pancreas stops working and you got to do the daily shots, you know, calculate your carbs and this and that. But overall, it's, as you've heard me preach this a thousand times, it's not the end of the world. It's just you got to learn how to adjust and adapt to that situation. You can make the most of it. You know, depends on how you want to look at it and go go at it head on. Uh, you know, because I always tell when people ask me, you know, the guys who I've always had a shoulder to lean on. You know, a couple of guys, Buddy Carlisle, who pitched for the New York Mets and Atlanta Braves. You know, he was diagnosed way extremely late in his career, I think around, I want to say 2009. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I finally had a chance to meet him along 2012. And then, you know, he's been a, you know, he's he was one of those role models for me to finally attach to. And, you know, I could ask him, you know, hey, what do I need to do, you know, if, for my blood sugar before a game, during the game, after the game, you know, like, what do you do? You know, he tells me his tips, his ways of he's 
of how he's gone about it. And then Michael Taylor, who used to play for the Oakland Athletics and White Sox, he he was diagnosed, I want to say either earlier, mid middle middle years, you know, around twenties. And he's he's done great things too. You know, he's another guy to look up to because he, you know, when I first met him. I had a chance to know they, you know, went to Stan- went to Stanford University on a political science degree, and now he's, you know, achieving huger things in the diabetic community. As he is a, you know, huge part of the Lilly Corporation. That's one of the top diabetic corporations here in the U.S. You know, he's he's a I should say fifth on the totem pole. You know, as he's helping out that company, and you know the. The job he's done, it's been terrific, you know, keeping up with him over the last couple of years since he's retired from ball. Uh, you know, and for any football fans out there, believe it or not, Jay Cutler, you know, I've always had a soft spot for him because he's been, you know, with him being a diabetic and a well-known name in the NFL. I've always supported him. Uh I'm trying to think, Elliot Pry, who's been around the NFL a few times now. You know, Elliot's a great kid. I hope he makes it big in the NFL someday. Uh, and then there's Kyle Love, who has <laughs> he's he's drawn a huge fan in me. He was a he's a also a diabetic type two. He played for the Carolina Panthers and once the NFL season concluded last year, you know, I reached out to him and say, Hey, if there's something you can donate, you know, I'll be glad to take it off your hands. And he says, Yeah, you you know, I'll send you something. You know, and <laughs> Me and my dad joked about it. He's like, you know, it'd be cool if he sent a, you know, a legit game used helmet and a game used jersey. And all of a sudden, I come home from college and see there's a package. And all of a sudden, I open up and believe it or not, a jersey, a game used jersey, and a game used helmet. Wow. And that's just one of the many things that, of course, these guys are doing, these girls are doing. Because it's not just the guys. There are some ladies out here as well that are not only participating in the event coming up, by the way, you can mark your calendar for the seventh annual South Carolina Youth Diabetes Association softball game. Official date, Saturday, October 3rd. Location, Kershaw, South Carolina, with the founder right here with us now, Matt U. Scott. Southern Sports Central, without any question or any delay, it could rain, it could storm, we will be there, whether it's to call the game on the radio or find a local spot to eat at. But we're going to be in town on that Saturday to uh, interview and talk to and have a little bit of fun with the guys and the girls and, of course, uh, the one and only right here with us, Matthew Scott. Matthew, uh, again, we're proud of what you're doing, and it started with a vision, and then it started with a mission, and then it started with, well, just going in that direction, and you've seen it now for the seventh year coming this year. He's going to be doing something that, of course, he never thought he and I talk all the time, that it would be as big as it's going to be. What's the one thing that you've learned through the seventh year, getting into the seventh year, Matthew? What's the one thing that you've learned when it comes down to doing this and and it comes across as, of course, uh, learning about more and more how important, how large, and how more people than we ever thought deals with such a a very dangerous, if not handled correctly, situation with the diabetes? Well... Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things I've learned through seven years now, hard to believe. <laughs> uh, you know, from 
the athletes' perspective, you know, they, you know, they view it as a, you know, great opportunity for them to come out and be involved, you know, in something, you know, that I've, as you said, I've envisioned for, you know, back when I was a kid, you know, never in a million years I thought this would have the, you know, the growth and the potential each year, you know, building off of years past, you know, and then the athletes, you know, they always, you know, it's it's always mind blowing to see who you get involved. It makes you sit back and say, you know, I, it makes you want to have nothing respect, but respect for those guys and girls that are involved with playing the helpers, you name it, you know, I, you know, and it, always, and it goes back to, believe it or not, you know, when we first met Richie, you know, the, the the promoting on the radios, the social medias, that's what, and that's always been a vocal point for us. We've always, I've always tried to, you know, use every bit of opportunity to promote and, you know, try to have a chance of growth in this event, uh, you know, and that goes back to me, and say, to me saying I'm very appreciative for what you've let me come on and talk about it ever since we first met, you know, about six years ago. Uh, but And now the, the, main, the main thing I've always learned, you know, from both softball game and camps, you know, the Camp Sweet Escape, you know, the, that this, is, this event helps kids with type 1 diabetes go to Camp Sweet Escape for lower mission. You know those. You, you meet these kids, and you hear this, and I hear the stories about them, to where, to where they they always needed somebody to help them lean on, and you know, point them in some sort of direction. And sometimes, you know, when you know, good Lord willing, they they he puts them in your hands to help help them out. You know, it's a very huge blessing and a very huge opportunity that I never can pass up, you know, every day, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier, I stay up till, heck, I stay up till crack about two o'clock in the morning sometimes. Cause I always, <laughs> you, you never know. It's, there's always that one player that'll message you this late telling you, you know, Hey, I'm in, you know, book me or this idea you want to write down and don't forget it. You know, and you can start building off of something because as you've seen, Richie, and I'll throw this cheap plug out there. This year, the celebrity players and players in attendance will be having their own trading card available for this year's event. We're going to try to cover that as best as we can. Uh, as the event will be right here in my backyard at Andrew Jackson High School in Kershaw, South Carolina, at the baseball field. Um, you know, weather permitting or something else to change, we're still going to be scheduled for October 3rd. We're going to have a great time. You know, more names to, you know, be added, you know, with the guys with the, the John Abraham, <clears throat> John Abrahams, the Jack McDowells, the Richie Schaefers, because who knows, we might see a, a big, a big name South Carolina Gamecock or a big name Clemson Tiger out there. You just have to keep, keep uh, eyes open on that because, you know, that's where you go to the Sky to Softball Twitter page or Instagram page because you never know who I'll, you know, come in contact with because I always tell these players and heck Rich I have even told you I always have a trick up my sleeve that you do but I tell you one guy I'm going to bring if I can get him I'm going to bring him he doesn't know it yet but Jarrell King he's down here in North Charleston 
down the road from the studio, down the road from us, and he and I are uh, pretty close. But uh, he's a big cat. He was an offensive lineman for the Gamecocks back in the day when they had all that success. Of course, uh, he's got some other connections, so he might be able to help you as well. But uh, he's doing a lot of stuff here internally in the cities uh, around Charleston. Of course, he played for the Gamecocks. He played in the NFL for the Seattle Seahawks, the New York Giants, and the Canadian League uh, for a couple teams as well. So it would be a, uh, a huge, a huge opportunity. I'm going to get him in here, and, and I'll get you and him connected because he may be able to, to swing some votes your way as well because, again, I don't think you're going to have too many. And there's trading cards. Man, how neat is that? i got to get one of those, by the way. So I don't know. We can – we can figure that out, but I, I might get one of those as well. But, you know, when you look at it, talk a little bit about some of the sponsors. You, you, you gave us some love. We appreciate that. But you got some new sponsors coming in. You've had some sponsors that have been with you since day one. You know, those are the guys and girls that believe in you in a whole different way. Talk to about us about the sponsors and how much it has helped them or you to do what they do so that you can continue to do it bigger and bigger every year. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. The the sponsors, I mean, obviously some still stick with us, some still change, you know, each year and that's that's how business works, you know. But uh the you know, the places like the five twenty one filling station, you know, Brian, Kevin, they are don't shoot me when I say this, Richard, but they're diehard Clemson fans, but overall they're diehard sports fans. <laughs> you know, they've Right. More, more importantly, though, they've, you know, I've had a chance to know the owner, Brian, pretty well. I've, I've been a, you know, ever since I hung up my spikes from playing baseball, I've kind of been able to help out his son with his pitching rep, repertoire and, you know, what to do, what not to do, because crazy enough, I've helped him, you know, get a lead potentially to go play college ball down in Columbia at Columbia University with uh, Jonathan Johnson. Uh, you know, and, and he always, you know, I've always been try to be loyal to every single sponsor and donor. You know, K Town Cafe and Ice Cream. You know, they uh, they are I, actually they came around Kershaw about a year ago, and I've had a chance and a privilege to both know and work for Jeff and Carlene Segui. You know, they're great people. They they give you the shirt off their back. You know. And they had we had a chance to team up with them last year. They provided meals, you know, for all the players who came out to play. You know, delicious hot dogs and hamburgers. Enview uh, Security, based out of Charlotte. You know, I had a, got a few tie-ins w- with that area. Uh, you know, they've been great and loyal with me. You know, in years past. <clears throat> and then the Pegler Agency out of Charlotte, North Carolina, is ran by a former college baseball player named Matt Pegler. He, you know, he always tries to find the next uh, Mike Trout and the, you know, Chipper Jones. You know, he always, he's always traveling all over the Southeast, you know, and Pegler, you know, I had a chance to meet him after our last year up in the Greenville area, you know, we kind of got connected and, you know, what we could do, you know, and he's been a great guy ever since I've met him still is, you know, he's, once he's sponsoring once again this year, and I appreciate that a ton from uh, Matt. Uh, then there's you guys who, you know, I think that's the longest I've ever been on the radio with you, Richie. I think this is a uh, brand-new record, and I'm very appreciative of that. You know, you've always you've always seen something in this event. You've always given me the opportunity and the privilege to come on here, you know, once in a blue moon and once the event's right around the corner to promote this 
dream, this vision I've had since, you know, like I said, I was a kid. I've always had the dream of having former and current players come play in this event. And, you know, seven years looking back and looking forward, you know, it kind of just makes you say, wow, it actually happens, you know, and it's still going, you know, good, you know, thank you, thankful for the Heavenly Father for keep for keeping this thing going strong, you know, and, you know, I'm looking forward to many more years of this event. No doubt about it. So mark the calendars, the 7th Annual South Carolina Youth Diabetes Association softball game. It's to bring awareness on diabetes. It not only deals with the adults, man, it hits the young kids really hard, and depression is something that they deal with when it comes with this disease that just is a very, I mean, a mean, tough, long nights for moms and dads across the country that have to teach their young ones how to handle it. And it can be beat, or at least it can be managed if you do what needs to be done. Again, you know, I, I've seen it in a lot of different forms. My father deals with diabetes where he's in his 70s. But still, you know, this is a very serious deal. This is something that, again, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be a part of year after year. I look forward to this year putting it on the air, also doing a lot of in-house, I would say, at right time interviews as we'll have uh, Eugene running around like we did last Friday night, home run derby. So uh, we'll make sure Eugene is hydrated the night before with an early rest. Probably give him a bedtime curfew around 6 because it's going to be a long day on Saturday. Home run derby along with a softball game. Like we say, good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, and we get this COVID thing out of the way at least to uh, opportunity will be there. And, again, it is going to be on Saturday, October 3rd, Kershaw, South Carolina. If you can't make it to Kershaw, we'll bring Kershaw to you right here on Southern Sports Central. As always, big man, we appreciate you. We always are here for you, Matthew. And if there's anything we can do, don't hesitate. Just give us a shout. I appreciate it, uh, man. You know, like I said, we've we've said this, I think, probably 500 times on this little interview. Uh, You know, going back to 2014, you took a chance to let us speak our voice, our our dreams, and what we're trying to accomplish, you know, here, here in South Carolina, Georgia, heck, North Carolina, and who knows, maybe we get across more across the USA, you know, and you know, come rain or shine, pandemic or not, we're going to be there with bells and whistles on. We're going to have one heck of a time. Richie, you know I've told you this one. This is like the World Series, the NBA Finals, the Super Bowl, all those big events tied up into one. On Saturday, October 3rd, that's how big it will be. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I know Eugene's looking forward to it, and we'll be – up there, we're going to try to. It depends how Friday night looks on football. Again, we're not sure with the seasons, uh, you know, what it looks like. But good shots. We'll be up there early Saturday morning, and uh, we'll, we'll get it up and running, man. But uh, stay oh, safe, hey. stay distanced, and uh, stay healthy. Well, Richie, there's the. I guess I guess uh, this is now a good time to say this on the radio because this year, yep. with the seventh annual softball game, we are going under the bright lights. We're going. Under the lights this year, it's going to be special. You know, we're going to, you know, it's going to be more of an afternoon time atmosphere, you know, to kick into the evening, you know, as the, you know, as a, I think a country song once, I think it was Jason Aldean, when the lights come on, everybody's screaming. 
We won't have a good time. <laughs> well, we're definitely going to be there to have it with you, brother. God bless you. Take care. Be safe. Stay distant. And uh, reach out, man. Much love to you, your family, and everybody over there with the South Carolina Youth uh, Diabetes Association. Is a softball game that's going to be coming up here in October. We'll talk to you next time, as always, man. Uh, appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you, Richie. Y'all have a good one. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only. Of course, that's Mr. Matthew Scott's been around with us since 2014. It's the seventh year of the South Carolina Youth Diabetes Association. Guys, it is all of our responsibility to educate and take care of the youth around our country, no matter what they're dealing with. And in this matter, it's about diabetes. And again, not only do they deal with a very tough, and I mean a very tough diet that they have to follow that's unlike their friends and unlike their families. They have to be very disciplined, and it is a tough thing to have to watch somebody eat something that you want, but you can't have it because it will set you back so far that it almost puts you in a state of depression. So there's a lot of things that it may look on the surface as one, but trust me, as you peel that onion back of diabetes, boy, oh, boy, is it a list of things that these parents and those around these individuals that have to help them get through it. Guys, we got a break. we got to come back. When we do, we're going to James Island. That's right. We're going to hang out with the Trojans head football coach, uh, Jamar McCoy. He's the real McCoy, and he's handling business on the beaches from Folly, Edge of America, to Mosquito Beach, and he's killing it over there on Camp Road and all the way to the football stadium and back. Guys, we'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio.
Hey, welcome back to everybody. I'm Richie. I'm alongside Eugene Benton coming to you live from Somerville, South Carolina, here, of course, in the Palmetto State of South Carolina, where football has been put on hold. The red flag is out if it was a NASCAR event, and uh, it is what it is. Uh, again, you know, we're going to do what we have to do to keep our young ones safe and make the decisions. It's not e- the easiest decision. Now, this this just came out, and uh, I was able to put it out there on social media. The Michigan governor is asking the state to postpone high school football to the spring. Hmm. That sounds, sounds pretty uh, familiar to me. But before we get into that conversation, let me bring in uh, the man who's running the show all the way from the edge of America, Folly Beach, into James Island, the city of James Island. Of course, that is Coach uh, Jamar McCoy. Coach, welcome back to the show. Glad to get you back in here and talking Trojan football. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Man, I tell you what, the excitement from uh, talking to you earlier, I felt like doing some up-downs and some, some, some exercises. Uh, you just you got that going over there, man. I talked on James Island, and the word's out on John's Island, by the way, so you may see some uh, some different kids here soon. But uh, the word's out, man. You're the real deal. I would say you're the real McCoy, no point intended, but it seems like uh, it, just a little bit of time you got with these young athletes has made a huge difference between that and bringing in some very familiar faces that played with that same team years ago uh, on the coaching staff, which I know, and Eugene knows two of those guys that are five-star guys on and off the field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, we bought in a couple guys, and we still have one uh, that we're working on to bring in that that played uh, at James Island. You know, that that brings us to, to five different coaches on the staff that, that are alums of the football program at James Island with the last two we brought on being uh, Curtis Williams and uh, Devin Brown. You know, those guys, um, they're young, they're energetic. They like to get out there and uh, move around with the kids and and physically show them uh, what we want to see. So, you know, it, it's, it's been a delight working with those two gentlemen, um, you know, and uh, they had some good coaching, and, and they was under good leadership with Coach Greer over at Oceanside. And, of course, he's in, in Charlotte now. But, you know, that that's it's fortunate for us because, I mean, we, we were able to, to gain two coaches that, that that are great and are good, and they're really good at what they do. So, um, you know, I, I'm excited uh, to work with them this fall. Live right now with the head coach over there at James Island, the Trojans' own Jamar McCoy joins us. Coach, of course, uh, first year, and he's able to at least get a little bit of a workout before, man, some of the worst news we've heard in uh, the last month or so, and that, of course, is that Charleston County has decided to pull the plug on the summer workouts with the numbers that are rising by leaps and bounds, whether you want to believe it or not, it it is what it is. And uh, you had to have that conversation, uh, I, I guess, to date. Coach, uh, how did it go, or, or is it tomorrow the conversation happened? Yeah, so um, when, when practice ended this morning, you know, uh, we had our uh, post-practice meeting with the coaches, and uh, we just, you know, talked about uh, sessions one and sessions two today. Uh, we talked about the opportunities we saw and talked about some of the positives we saw, and uh, we broke camp, and I was out and about the city uh, running errands, and um, – my AD, Coach Holland, called and informed me of the decision. And soon after that, uh, Live 5 News reached out to me for, for an interview, and I was in my truck uh, once again taking an on-camera uh, FaceTime interview 
But, um, you know, tomorrow I'll sit down with the coaches first thing in the morning at about 6.30 um, is the normal time we do our pre-practice meetings. And, um, you know, I'll let them know what's going on. Of course, I'll send out a, a text to all of them in our, in our group thread. And, but we'll talk face-to-face tomorrow. We'll come up with a plan that we're going to use, and uh, we'll move forward like that. So, you know, uh, when, when, when the well rises, you know, you just got to figure out a way to, to get around the water and not get wet. So, you know, this is just another opportunity for us to, to, to win through adversity. So we're, we're, we're not going to back down. This is a challenge, and we just got to figure out a way uh, to get it done. Uh, so um, we're we looking at the glass half full, not half empty. Live with the Trojan head football coach over there on James Island. Of course, he comes in here and has made a big impact in a very short time. The reputation has definitely lived up to the hype. As uh, we were told about you, Coach, when you were coming in by a handful of people in the area you came from, said, man, you guys are kidding the guy. He's a stud on and off the field. And, again, Coach, you know, you're, you're staying in the community, and I love that about you. I've seen, you know, some things where you've been on folly. You've, of course, uh, ventured into some of the neighborhoods on James Island. And when you were here, not even hours of being in town, you said, I'm going to control everything from the edge of America on Folly Beach through Mosquito Beach and all the way into James Island, man. And you hit every of the three major components of knowing where the locals uh, are going to be at, where to do some great things. Absolutely. You know, um, James Island is a community school, and I want to be in all the communities. I want to be accessible to everybody. Um, I've had parents call me. I've had politicians call me. Small business owners call me. Um, you know, I, I want to be accessible to everybody. I'm uh, just a a guy that, that that loves the game of football. That, that happens to be a head coach. I'm I'm not some some king sitting on the throne, but you know that, that's what this thing is about. Um, you know, reaching out to your community, growing your community, bettering your community. Everybody has one percent of the community. So if we grow our one percent and make the community better, uh, how great. How, how great would James Island look from there? So uh, I'm here to do just that, you know, and the young men that's under my care, uh, I'm teaching them that. And, you know, we're having a good time doing it. Uh, these these practice sessions that we've had for the past couple of weeks, uh, the kids have gotten there. They've learned a lot. Um, they've enjoyed themselves. They've worked extremely, extremely hard. Uh, I'm, I'm super proud of my veteran guys. And extremely proud of my younger guys, you know, uh, they're getting in there, they're, they're learning the terminology, they're picking it up fast. And, you know, it, it's kind of frustrating that, that we have to stop today, that, that that we have to put a pause in what we're doing today. But, you know, when we get back in, and I'm sure the kids will be chomping at the bit to get back because, I mean, just to see them out at practice moving around fast, the, the, the joy in their eyes and on their face, uh, with learning new techniques and getting them right, uh, you know, it's it's just it's it's one of those feelings when you see it that that is just indescribable. So um, you know, I can't wait to get back in there with my kids and and get to working again. No doubt about it. Live right now with the head football coach over there, James Island, the Trojans' own coach Jamar McCoy joins us here on Southern Sports Central for the second time of many as we're getting ready for the twenty. 20- 20 season. They were told this morning by Charleston County that they have got to put a stop 
a hold and just wait a minute on the summer workouts. Now, they'll revisit it in a days or two out, and then at that point, they'll kind of make a call. Now, Coach, let's just be honest here, okay? How many times can we start and stop and, and stop and start, and, and yet we still need to have a plan B, C, and even D, if you ask me. I mean, what if cannot be the question come August? It needs to be, okay, here's the opportunity. Here's what we need to do. Coach, your thoughts in a situation like this where we're in unprecedented times that's calling for some unprecedented leadership? Yeah, we we, we definitely need someone to just step up and say, hey, this is the plan, this is the road, and we're going to have to tow the rope. You know, no one that, that I've spoken to has ever come across anything like this. But, you know, in this time, we need a leader to put his foot down and say, this is what's going to happen. Um, you know, the high school league came out and gave us phase one. We didn't know what phase two or three was going to look like. Um, you know, I've heard different plans for fall football. I've heard just a normal regular season. I've heard uh, that they're going to take away non-regional games and we just play region games uh, and extend the playoff period. I've heard putting um, just moving the entire season back starting in November. We've heard all type of things. But right now we need a leader to, to, to step in and say, this is the way it's going to be. And I think that voice needs to be a collective voice of of all area head coaches. And, and you know, we sit at the table and say, this is the plan and this is how it should work, and we submit something uh, to the high school league. But, you know, uh, my, my, my grandma would say, you know, the collective uh, wisdom of a lot of people keeps the king from being called a fool. So, you know, if we can all get together, put our wisdom together, put our heads together, say, hey, this is how we can play the game that we love, coach the game that we love, keep it safe and not spread this virus, we come up with that plan and we just enact it instead of uh, some people doing this, some people doing that, others doing this. You know, I, I think we just all need to come to the table, have a, a roundtable discussion, a, a think tank, put a plan together and move forward. No doubt about it. We're live right now with the head football coach from James Island. The Trojans bring in Coach Jamar McCoy and we bring him on the air and with Zoom now a realistic part of communication, Coach, I think you nailed it. I think that's what needs to happen. I think you need to have, you know, you got to have a little skin in the game. We had uh, the uh, head football coach and also uh, the athletic director over there at Fort Dorchester, who uh, Coach Steve LaFrance joined us. And the one thing that he said that he agrees that you, you need to have some skin in the game because it helps make the decision sometimes a little bit harder. But those are the decisions that you got to make. And right now, we got to make a few decisions. And you and I talked a little bit about this off the air earlier today, Coach. And that is, what if we move some things around? What if we did take football and put it, you know, maybe in January, not as late as the spring, maybe not that April day, maybe in, in early January. And that's going to cover all the way through about April. Now, that could look, Coach, like nothing but region games but that's okay because it beats no games what some of the things that you think of of course bringing in baseball and softball these are two teams oh by the way or 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 leagues if you will that had their season cut short so the money never was spent into that spring season you're thought in moving some of that around as a coach and, and what would it look like for your football program and the recruiting on your football program as well 
Absolutely. So, you know, uh, flipping things around, I've I talked with my AD about it as well, and I, I think it's it's a great idea, you know, to, to kind of flip things around to go ahead and get started. Um, but, you know, th- there are some sports that, that make a ton of money, and there are other sports uh, that that don't make any money at all and rely on on the gates of, you know, the bigger sports like football and basketball to help them survive a season. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I ran track in college. I ran track in high school. Um, and track is one of those deals, golf, you know, swimming. You know, they don't make a ton of money, uh, if any at all, and they rely on the, the bigger sports. And it's unfortunate that, that most of those seasons were cut out this spring, but I, if you kind of – Run those this fall and, and, and use your reserves that you didn't spend this past spring and then put your big money makers uh, over into the new year. You know, you, you stand a chance of making uh, money and not losing it this fall. Now, the, the only thing that I worry about is, is the recruiting piece, like you said, because we know uh, getting the NCAA to – to, to change their rules on recruiting and all this stuff is is almost like getting a, a Democrat and a Republican to, to agree on uh, what's, what we're having for dinner tonight. So, essentially, the football, the, the way it is, is, is laid out in the fall and how kids can early enroll in December, with playing football in the spring, you're going to have to put a large decision – on some child's shoulders to either early enroll at Clemson or play my senior high school football year in January. Uh, you know, there there are other kids as well that, you know, um, that that are early enroll in January. So, I mean, I mean it, it's, it's a lot. It's pros and cons to it all, you know. And, um, you know, there, there's a dead period, I believe, in February or March with recruiting where college coaches can't come out um, to the school. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of intricate pieces that, um, that are going to go into play with moving football season from the fall to the spring. But, you know, on the, on the micro level, if we're looking at it and we want to do what's best for the high schools, I mean, pushing football season back and starting January is, is probably about the best thing that we can do right now in order to, to keep the entire season. Live right now with the James Island head coach, Jamar McCoy, joins us right here to talk about his football program in the season, well, at least the summer season. It was cut off for at least now, and we're looking at what can we do. We're not talking about what's not going to happen. We're about being positive. Give us some solutions. Give us some ideas. And, uh, again, you can do that by calling in 323-784-9681. You ran track, Coach. Let me ask you this. This is brought to me through a social media outlet. I put out there on Saturday, said, hey, look, it looks like we're going to be shut down in the upcoming days, and that's what's happened. And, and now it looks like we need to be proactive. And other coaches said we need another plan. But how about moving the spring to the fall, like we were just talking about, in the fall to the spring? But when it comes to track, they're dealing with 150 kids. You ran track, you mentioned, Coach. But it takes – the coaching track to maybe take a little bit extra step and maybe do what would be a one day, maybe make it a two day, right, coach? I mean, how would you, if you were the track coach or an athletic director in a situation like that, and we know that the track teams use a pretty large group of young athletes, 
they come out and, and, and of course they, they're they're right off there on the football field or wherever they run their track meets at there. How would you handle that in that capacity with that many kids in an area? Um, so, you know, first off, you, you would have to break up track practices and meets into multiple day events. Um, you know, when you go to some of your, your bigger meets, um, uh, the Sunshine Invitational, the Pen Relays, uh, the Taco Bell meet, all, all of these these meets are broken up into multiple days. So that is something that we will have to address with track with such a large a number of kids running. You know, uh, you know, you do your throws on one day, you do your jumps on another day, you do your your distance running one day, and do your sprints the, the next. I mean, and that will successfully break up uh, having extremely large groups um, at one place at one time. And, I mean, because, you know, it's uh, highly unlikely that you, you'll have a sprinter that, that runs a mile or or you'll have uh, a high jumper or a long jumper that is throwing shot in this. So, you know, you just break uh, the events up and group them up on different days. And, I mean, that's the – in my opinion – the best way to do it. But again, you know, uh, I'm all about solutions. I, I'm definitely not always right. Uh, I love to hear other people's suggestions, you know, and if we can just sit at, at the table and come together with a collective idea that we can move forward and, and, and you know, utilize a little compromise in there, I think we'll, we'll all be better for it in the end. I agree with you as we're live with the head coach, James Island's own Jamar McCoy, the head football coach of the Trojans over there. And, again, talking about what might be – how much do you think this hurts recruiting or how much has this helped recruiting coach when it comes to these coaches who, you know, they're not doing the camps. A lot of these kids were hoping to get into this camp and show their talent one more summer or maybe uh, have that opportunity for a visit. But yet, during the last three months, coaches have been at home watching videos and doing certain things. Do you think this has helped some of these young athletes are coming up in the 2021 class or – are your thoughts overall from an unprecedented way of recruiting? Yeah, I, I think that it's, it's kind of been split down the middle, you know, with, with collegiate coaches sitting at home watching film. You know, I've seen a lot of kids get offers, uh, you know, particularly my, my good friend that coaches at Akron, Coach Cook. You know, uh, he's offered a couple of kids off, off of film that he watched that he probably – in a normal time wouldn't have had the time to watch it because he would be on the road visiting kids. But, you know, a lot of these coaches, uh, you know, have missed the opportunity because of the COVID to see a kid in person. And they, they love seeing a kid in person. You know, it's almost like shopping online versus shopping in the store. You know, I, I really like these shoes and I want to order them, but I wonder will they be too tight? I wonder will they not fit the way that I want them to fit? I wish I could go right in the footlocker and just try it on, but you know, I can't because of the COVID. So that that's what college coaches are kind of going through right now. Um, not being able to see the product that they want live and in person. So, you know, they're resorting to, to different ways of recruiting with zoom and, and watching more huddle film. But um, you know, it, it's again, it got its advantages and disadvantages. And coach, this is uh, Eugene here. You know, something you had mentioned early on was about the community aspect and getting into James Allen. You know, you're kind of the, the new guy on the block. And, uh, you know, Coach Brown, he was uh, over at my house one night right after he had, 
you know, had a discussion with you and said he was going to come coach with you over at uh, James Island. And he said one of the coolest things, he and Curtis were, were hanging out, and so one of the coolest things was uh, you just put him in a car. And you said, all right, now drive me around and introduce me to all these neighborhoods. You know, introduce me to the place. Let me know where these kids are coming from so I have something to relate to them, so I have something to talk to them about. You know, talk to me about this neighborhood and this kid and, you know, where this kid's from and, and, and tell me the things about this neighborhood. I really thought that was a really cool aspect. You know, I mean, you're coming not just from, you know, not someone coming from across town but from out of state. Uh, so, so how's that transition been? I know you said some parents and business leaders have reached out to you. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that whole transition and, and how, you know, you kind of not just getting your feet wet, but just jumping into the whole pool, so to speak, and, uh, in, community-wise. Well, you know, it, it's, it's been a, a real fun transition. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, personal friends have, have asked me how the transition has been. And, and, you know, other than the COVID, I mean, it's been really cool. You know, like I'm an outdoors-type person. You know, I like to hunt and fish and, and hang out in the backyard and laugh with my, my buddies, you know. Um, but I was I was so sincere with, with Devin and Curtis because, I mean, I, I really want to learn James Island. Like I'm coming into someone else's home, and I don't want to just sit on the couch. Like I want to I want to help. I want to get my hands dirty. I want to help you do whatever it needs uh, to make this place better. Like I'm not a not on the law. Like I, I seriously want to grow my 1% and make my 1% better. And if I can help you grow your 1% and make it better, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. So I, I really wanted to get out, uh, see the community, see where our kids come from, uh, see the, the the challenges uh, that they face every day, uh, see, see the great things that they have going for themselves, and try to get all of that and put it in a pot and just stir it up and, and get the, the greatness out of it all. You know, we want to burn off the silliness, burn off the the, the bad things, and just, just leave the greatness in the pot, and that's what we're going to devour to, to be the best community, the best football team, the best student athletes, the best coaches uh, possible, you know. And, uh, you know, they, they, they showed me some great things, Coach Mapp, um, who coaches with us, who's who's a detective there on James Allen, showed me around. Uh, and I, I'm grateful for it. And I, I really, you know, treasure those moments, you know. Uh, and and I, I'm so sincere. Like, I, I, I truly want, wants to want to be a part of the community. I'm, I'm not just here uh, to coach. You know, I'm, I'm here to, to help these young men uh, become productive citizens uh, in the world. You know, we look out in the world today and we, we, we see all the, the protests and the, the uproar and everything that's going on. But, you know, as a coach, if I can help my kid better citizen um, in the developmental period in high school, you know, we can make the world a better place, you know. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to be, uh, you know, just, just great for this community and great for my kids. You know, I I, I told my young kids today, uh, good is the opposite of great. We want to be great. I told them if they wanted to be good, go somewhere else. I want them to be great. And I say, who wants to be great? Raise their hand. And all of them raise their hand. So, you know, that that's the type of uh, vigor, the, the, the type of passion that I want and that I, that I give the kids and that I want back from them. 
so I I I I really treasure you know the time I've already spent uh, going in and out of the neighborhoods and on James Island. And that's actually a good segment when you uh, talked about the kids becoming great. As you know, I've seen you you've uh, commented on something I posted on Twitter about you know Victor uh, I mean uh, with, with Hugo was one of your kids that uh, you know I see every every week at Sunday. You know he's your uh, senior kicker there and. Guy can kick the ball seventy something yards, and you know. So I see him, and I know he's great. I know he had a good camp. He's competed well over the summer, and then I, I know there's a big offensive lineman you have. But uh, talk to us about some horses. You know, like give us the scouting report. What kind of horses you got over there? So um, you know, uh, it's it's amazing the, the the talent that we we have over uh, at the school. Uh, we'll, we'll start with Hugo. You know. Uh, Hugo is one of the first kids that I, that I posted on my Twitter account. And uh, if you know anything about recruiting, uh, the two toughest places or the two toughest positions to get offers for is kickers and quarterbacks. Those are the two toughest uh, positions. But, you know, um, I look at a challenge and I take it head on, you know, and I, I began to, to – to put Hugo's information out there and uh, tag every coach I know. You know the the kid has. Uh, I saw I saw Hugo was at practice this morning, uh, just running. I think he ran something three or four miles. Uh, huge legs, uh, got a big leg that they, they kick fifty yard field goals, seventy yard kickoffs. The kid gets it done. You know um, our, our offensive line. You know they're massive. And and they are working hard. Will Sheely uh, is a diamond in the rough. Uh, we've already earned him two offers, uh, and more will will begin to flow in once he, um, you know, has some live action uh, playing. Um, but the anchor on that that offensive line um, is is Nolan, and and Nolan uh, is, you know, he he's, he's a big kid. Uh, on the next level, he'll transition to guard, uh, and he moves well for his size. And you know, our offensive line is going to be our bread and butter. You know, we're gonna we're gonna play in the trenches. You know, uh, our offensive line calls themselves the trench mob. So they they have been getting after of it uh, these last couple weeks at practice. You know, we we have out the trash cans. They're they're getting to their to their positions. You know, I, I mean they they look really good. And, and and you know they're they're a smart group. You know Daniel Vo, who who I call Big Sexy, uh, is down there playing center and, and and doing a wonderful job along with with Omar Sanders and Big Ed. So you know um, they they've been doing a wonderful job. And transition to our quarterback room. Quarterback room uh, has some of the who's who of, of, of talent in there. You know with Marion Champagne and Liam. Um, and, and Braxton, you know, those guys are in there, they're working, and they're all competing for uh, the right to be uh, the leader of the offense on Friday night. Um, you know, I, I've told the, the quarterbacks as well as the quarterback coach and the entire offensive staff, I don't care if you're in ninth grade, 12th grade, or anywhere in between, if you're the best guy for the job, um, that's the horse we're going to ride on Friday night, and that's and that's just that. Um, you know, we, we have a decent defensive line that, <clears throat> that in my opinion, rivals a small college. You know, uh, we got several 6'4 guys, a couple 6'5s down in there. 
Uh, they look good. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're excited about them. The linebacker group, which is arguably the best linebacker group, um, you know, in the area, definitely they're our best position. Um, you know, with Hunter Higgins, Jaquan Wallace, Kiori, those, those guys look phenomenal. You know, Kiori, <clears throat> who's a 10th grader, um, reminds me of a kid that's the star and Mike linebacker for UNC Charlotte who played for me, Prince Beamer. Kiori looks the part. He's stout. He's tall. Um, and, you know, just, just everything about him reminds me of Prince Beamer. Uh, you know, our secondary group is coming together. We we, we got some kids that we're going to convert from receiver to DB that got, that got great hips that can move. Um, you know, and, and our wide receiver room is, is also tremendous. I mean, tremendous. You know, so I'm, I'm pleased with what we got. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate to have kids that were ready, willing, and able to come in and learn. They had an open mind that was, that was ready to work hard. You know, we've had several kids, um, and I know this is getting down in the weeds, uh, you know, last week come in, and, I mean, they were throwing up everywhere, there, and they got right back in line, ready to grind more. And, I mean, when you see that, you know, you, hey, man, I got some kids that we can go and I can get in a foxhole with that will fight. So, you know, these, these kids are tough. They want to be led. They want to learn the game. And, and, and that's what our job is to do, you know. So we're going to lead them in the right direction. And, you know, we're going to play football. You know, whether we win or lose, we're going to play lights out. We're going to play hard-nosed football. We're going to hit you in the mouth, heck, give you a hand up, and hit you in the mouth when the whistle blows again. And uh, that's that's going to be the way we play the game over at James Island from this point forward. No doubt, Coach. I'm going to turn you back over to Richie. But uh just wanted to say, man, I got one uh, that I trained that's itching to get to the state of Ohio. So I may hit you up to get to uh, – the Akron connection. I know his his dream school is Ohio State, but uh, you know I, I know he's really just itching to get back to the state of Ohio. The kid that uh, his parents are from there, and uh, dad, granddad, everybody went to Ohio State and all that. But uh, we were just up there a couple weeks ago. But I might hit you up for for a connection to the state of Ohio. But I just want to thank you for your time. I, I know I know my, my my guys, my boys, my brothers for life. You know, love coaching under you, and I know Curtis was beside himself today. When uh when uh football got shut down, I know I know he's pretty upset about that because he just really loves working for the kids and, and all that. But also, I tell you, I know your center. You said you called him Big Sexy, but uh, Curtis already has that nickname. <laughs> so. Yeah, hey, but so so listen, funny story. So last week we were in practice, and you know I call it I'll call it uh, Daniel Big Sexy, and, and uh, Curtis say, hey, that's what Coach Greer called me. But you know what, Daniel, you're doing so good. We can call you that. I'll give you my nickname. <laughs> so, hey, but listen now. Now I'm going to tell you what now. This is the truth, and I'm, I'm not blowing smoke. Curtis Williams is a great, great, great offensive line coach. I mean, just sometimes I sit – sometimes I'll sit back just listening to him and watching him move around with the kids, and I was just absolutely floored, uh, you know, at his knowledge at his 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 passion and, and how he was working with the offensive line and, and and last week I knew I said man I I made the right decision by bringing this guy on board you know sometimes when when you're hiring coaches you know uh, you, you you ask them the questions and 
and, and sometimes it can be a crapshoot, you know, uh, and any coach that say that it's not, sometimes they're lying to you, you know, and I, I feel like I've totally got it right with Curtis Williams. Um, and, I mean, I, I've, I've had an opportunity to be around other coaches on the staff for extended periods of time, and I feel like I've gotten it right with them also. But Curtis Williams, uh, I spent most time with uh, these past couple weeks uh, because we've been working the O-line group because that was a point of emphasis for us. I believe, you know, there's a fine line between winning and losing, and that fine line is the offensive line. And Curtis Williams is doing a hell of a job with the offensive line. So uh, I know he's he's, he's kind of upset, but he'll be chopping at the bit to get back when they release him. Well, Coach, I love the intensity. I love the positivity. I love everything that you got going on over there on James Island. And anything, and I mean anything, you need. If it's a platform to speak on or you need us to come over there and do a little something with you guys on the radio, man, you just say the word and uh, we'll make that trip over there to the beach and, uh, well, to the football field, and then we'll take it to the beach afterwards. Come well, back I, on I the show. I'll tell, really tell you what you can do for us. You, you can find a uh, – the cure to this COVID, so we can get to going. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the final for you, me, and everybody else, and I'm going to share the winnings and the lottery numbers with you, too, Coach. I'm in. No oh, doubt, yeah. Coach. Hey, much love to you and your family, and welcome again back. To, welcome to Charleston and, and being a part of what we do here on Southern Sports Central. I'm glad you let us be a part of your family over there at James Island and the Trojan family, buddy. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, look forward to seeing you guys in the backyard this fall. Go Trojans. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. And just like that, for 35 minutes, we check in on James Island. And, of course, that is the coach, Jamar McCoy, the head football coach of the Trojans over there at James Island. Guys, we got a break. We're going to head to another football coach whose season has been put on pause. Of course, he's also an athletic director in Andrews, South Carolina. And we're going to ask him, he can answer this question. I feel good about it. Now, I always listening, and that is, Coach, what's the answer? What are we going to do if there's no football in the fall? Are we going to move it to the spring? you got about 10 seconds to figure it out. We'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Block Talk Radio. Hour two is done. Here comes hour three. And boy, oh boy, what an hour it was there. We had not one but two solid guests. We started off with Matthew Scott, Carolina Youth Diabetes Association, up there in Kershaw, South Carolina, as he's getting ready for that big seventh-year anniversary of the softball tournament. Of course, we'll get more into that a little bit later. Then at 7.30, we headed to James Island, where we checked in with their new football coach, Jamar McCoy. He checked in all the way from, of course, Trojan Stadium, and, of course, their season in the summer season workouts has been put on hold for the next couple of weeks. We'll see what it looks like after that. So what better way to do it from here? Well, we're going to head to another coach, also an athletic director. Of course, uh, a good friend of mine on and off the air and off the field as well, Coach Scott Durham joins us. Uh, coach with the Andrews Yellow Jackets, also the athletic director. Talk to us, Coach. Man, uh, the news coming out, not surprising, but we got to deal with it. Yeah, we uh, we got to deal with it, and uh, you know, at this point, 
it's just a matter of, uh, you know, trying to figure things out and, uh, you know, see what we can come up with. I, I can tell you that, that I feel confident that the normal uh, calendar that we would have athletic calendars going out the window and we better come up with uh, with an alternative plan uh, as soon as possible. Live right now, athletic director, head football coach uh, Scott Durham joining us here at the top of the third hour, talking about what's going on. The football world hit today a little bit harder than was hit earlier in the season, of course, with the spring. This is a little bit easier for the football guys than girls to take uh, because it's not a done deal for the fall coach, but but realistically, a lot of coaches on social media saying we got to get a plan B all the way to D. What's your take on it from the athletic director's point of view? And do we take the spring and bring it to the fall, and do we move the fall a little bit back further into the winter? Well, we, we're going to look at all options. Uh, I can tell you that I, 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 as we're moving forward into this and the numbers keep coming out and, and you know, what what the numbers actually say is something we can debate another time but but you know we got to go with what the the powers that be or how they're interpreting those numbers and and so we're at a point where i'm starting to get to the to the feeling that we're not going to have a traditional football season i think we can take that throw it out the window um i can tell you this um the you know i'm i'm fortunate enough to be on the football coaches association board of directors and we are meeting tomorrow uh, as a board to come up with some plans, um, look at some alternative possibilities and not, we're not talking about just football. I mean, obviously that's our main focus, but we're, we're talking about the whole entire thing, you know, calendar, all sports included, flipping them as one option that's out there. Um, you know, moving everything to second semester is obviously something that's been floated playing, uh, you know, what's considered to be our minimal contact sports first has been an option. So, and, and I know the uh, the Lexington River Bluff Pillion, that school district actually has a pretty good plan in place, or not in place, but a plan that they've come up with that their superintendent's going to take to the Superintendent's Association. So there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, you know, there's a lot of coaches throughout the state. You know, we're working – all the time on it day and night trying to come up with something feasible because what we do know is if we leave it up to the uh the powers that be in Columbia um they'll just take the easy way out and just bang everything and 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 the kids will be the one the ones that get screwed and you know we don't want to let that happen so our our goal is to come up with with plans and have uh you know have something to go to we don't know what it's going to be but we got to come up with some kind of consensus and, and some kind of plan. It works for everybody, not just football, but for, for baseball, for basketball, for track, for volleyball, for everything. You know, I, I'm in that position where I got a, you know, a son that plays all three or two sons that play all three, but I got one that plays all three at the high school level. And, and we want to make sure, and I'll buy all three, I mean, football, basketball, and baseball. You so obviously those, those are the things that are important. And, but every kid's important. We want to make sure every kid gets an opportunity um, the seasons are probably going to be abbreviated, you know, but we want to make sure we can get everything in. So we're going to get together tomorrow and see if we can't come up with some kind of plan. The athletic director, the head football coach, and, you know, he holds a few other positions around the state when it comes to the world of sports and football. Coach Scott Durham here coming to you live from somewhere in the confines between Andrews, South Carolina, and Polly's Island. 
Not sure if Moses has opened the doors or not, but it's his favorite place to eat as well. Coach, uh, we're going to get in some fun talk, but, but I do want to kind of get at least a couple more minutes of, of this situation because I had a conversation today, and I'm not going to give out my sources by no means, but I will say this, is that I've heard even the conversation that maybe that there is a two-month season per sport, and that, of course, would start with softball, baseball, because they were the first seasons that were cut short. And then talk a little bit about that on top of, you know, we didn't use that money in the spring because the season was cut short. However, some of that money was used if they bought equipment and or uh, jerseys and uniforms. Well, you know, in terms of, you know, shortening two months, I think that's feasible. I'll be honest, I think – we're probably going to end up somewhere in the neighborhood of, of football playing, you know, somewhere between five and seven games, you know, basketball, you know, getting about 10 to 12, same thing with baseball, softball, you know, volleyball, all those types of things. I, I don't think a full season for anybody is going to be realistic at this point. Um, you know, we've just got to figure out where we're going to put everything, you know, and, and, and I told somebody this the other day, baseball is being played everywhere in the country right now. At every level, you know, baseball's being played all over the state of South Carolina, um, except at the high school level. And uh, I mean, I, I sat, you know, in Walterboro this weekend, watching you know kids play baseball all day Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, there's baseball everywhere. Um, it would be feasible for baseball and softball to go first, simply because those kids are ready to play. Um, you know, football, we're at a point, you know, we're getting to a point where we couldn't start on time if we wanted to because there's no way we can get the kids in shape and get them ready, uh, you know, to go through the rigors of, of practice. But, you know, baseball and softball, those things have been going on and being played. And so it, it, it is feasible for them to go first. I don't know that we're going to be able to start as soon as school starts. You know, I know one of the, the big plans that's being pushed is we don't – we wait to start, you know, sometime mid-September – um, and actually break it down into four sports seasons instead of three and, and kind of start with baseball, softball, and some of the less contact sports and move our way to football ending up in the spring. Um, you know, as far as money, that, that's going to be an issue. Uh, I can tell you, you know, you say, well, you know, money, we didn't spend money in the spring. Well, we didn't, but we also didn't, uh, or, you know, <laughs> we didn't lose any money. That's the good thing. I mean, there, there, there was a positive because we do lose money on most schools lose money on spring sports, so we didn't lose as much money as we normally would. But um, you know, we're in a situation where we just got to try to figure out what we can do, and 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 financially, I think our, you know, the districts would understand. Hey, we're gonna be in a hole a little bit here. You all, you know, they're gonna have to help us out till we get to football. I really think spring football would be a big hit. Um, you just, especially if we've gone that long without it, and. Uh, I think it would help participation numbers. I think you have a bunch of kids sitting there in February going, well, I ain't got nothing else to do, and it's not 100 degrees outside. Maybe I'll play this year. And people would be mm-hmm. eager to come out. And, and so, you know, I, I think there's some positives of what some of the stuff we're looking at. We've just got to come up with something that everybody across the state can agree on and uh, or most of the people across the state can agree on is something that we can get the high school league and the executive committee to get on board with which isn't always the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah, no doubt as we're live right now with the athletic director, the head football coach over at Andrews High School. Coach Scott Durham checked in with us up there in Ori, or excuse me, Georgetown County. And, again, their season as well as far as the workout season. 
that is, we're talking here in the summer, has been cut off at this time. Now, we don't think uh, that this – well, I don't think, Coach, that this thing's going to pick up anytime soon because we are hitting record numbers in a bad way. And, of course, until that gets at least controlled a little bit, uh, you know what? we got to do what's best for the kids, and that is keep them distance. You mentioned travel ball. As an athletic director, as a football coach, I know you were in Somerville a couple of weeks ago. I hate it. I missed you there. Walterboro this past weekend. Not sure where you are this weekend. But uh, when you see all of these people, are they socially distanced? As an athletic director, knowing that you've got young athletes all around you that are just they need to get the season in, to get out of the town they're in in some aspects, if you know what I mean, as far as getting the opportunity. But yet people are still surrounding themselves when it comes to the travel balls that are in full-fledged. And even 7-on-7 with the report of the one practice that was up in Myrtle Beach that uh, a local TV station said that a couple of the kids tested positive. Yeah, there, there's not, you know, I can tell you at these travel baseball games, there's not any any social distancing going on really at all. Um, you know, people are just kind of going about uh, business as, as normal and, and uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, the seven-on-seven seven stuff, I, I – you know, as a, as a football coach and, and and an AD, that stuff's invading our state. You know, it's been all over the place. It's coming in here. We'd hope to hold it off for a little longer. But uh, you know, one thing we've got to do, we got to make sure. You know, we we I was talking to several coaches uh, over the weekend and and today or yesterday, and uh, we we've, we've got to do something because football is the one sport where the high schools really still have a grip on it. Um, you know, high school baseball in this state is is nowhere near as good as it was 10, 15 years ago because travel ball is in the process of ruining it. Um, well, travel ball is in the process of ruining baseball throughout this nation. Um, but that's, that's, I guess that's a discussion for another day. And, and, and basketball is almost gone. We, we, we've got to make sure that we have football at some point during the school because if we don't, somebody's going to start one of these, a, a travel football team, and we're going to lose football too. And uh, and that would be a disaster. So you know we've we've got to just fight and and, and scratch and claw and, and and understand that you know things aren't going to be what they have normally been. Not this year. You know they you know may not be ever, but at least not this year for sure. We got to figure out a way to get through this year, have some semblance of a season for everybody. Hopefully in the near future, you know this thing somebody figures out how to cure it or. Uh, inoculated or whatever, and, and we can go back to normal. Uh, but normal's not going to be the case this year. And, uh, you know, so we as, as coaches and, and ADs and stuff, we got to fight and claw and scratch and make sure that we figure out some way to uh, to make sure we get what we want in, get something in. Because, like I said, if we leave it up to the high school league, they'll just, they'll just take the easy road out and cancel everything. Mm, no doubt. I, I couldn't – uh, concur to that. I know, Eugene, you feel the same as well when it comes to that. Now, Coach, uh, I, I want to talk about the track here in a minute because being an athletic director, uh, you know, I was on uh, – I mentioned to a couple of callers before. I put this out on social media about flip-flops and some things, and it was a track coach that made some valid points. You know, he, he's a little, he was a little hot under the collar about flipping things around because he's got 150 athletes and he's got to, you know, manage, if you will. But as an athletic director, you know, that's a lot of people. It, it's larger. It's one of the largest sports that you have to manage. How do you manage even the numbers? Because they're never going to probably be back down to zero without a doubt. We're always going to have to deal with COVID. It's just going to be a more containable number. 
But when it comes to track, how do you manage to get these guys and girls out here for these meets and, and, and be able to make sure that we're safely giving these guys and girls the same opportunity as the other sports? Well, and, and that's, you know, that's a, that's a valid concern. And I, and I really I, – I, I know the, the, it's easy to say, hey, let's just flip the two seasons. Um, but in reality, I don't even think that's, that's a, a legitimate possibility. Uh, I just don't think we're going to be able to start anything until probably late September, October at the earliest, because we've got to get through, you know, we've got to get through the tourist season and, and kind of let our numbers, you know, get back down, even, even though, you know, our, our percentage, our death rates are extremely low right now. We've got a high, po- you know, positive test rate. So we got to get through the tour season, get those numbers down, kind of get control, get school started, kind of figure things out, um, you know, where we're going school-wise, and then go from there and, and kind of shorten everything up. So, you know, it's easy to say, hey, we're going to flip them, but that, that's not necessarily a reality. I don't see any way – than any sport starts practicing in August. I just right now I don't see that happening. Uh, the way things are trending now, you know, it, I could be wrong. We've got to prepare. You know, we've got to prepare for the worst case scenario. And then if we get right. the best case scenario, well, hell, we know how to we know how to figure that out. We know how to operate under that you know situation. We've got to prepare for the, for the worst case scenario. And then work from there. So I, I get it. I mean, I've and I've talked to baseball coaches, and they're, you know, they're, you know, they're they got the same concern. Hey, if we start, you know, in August, um, and then we get canceled, then we've lost two baseball seasons. And I agree with them, and that's why we've got to push back and and give ourselves time to see what's actually happening here and what these numbers are going to look like, and 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 which way our politicians are trending and 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 all that. And, you know, track is a concern because you do have, you know, 50, 60, 70 guys, even for us, even at a 2A school, we'll, you know, we'll have 30, 40 boys and girls going to the same place. Well, they're not going to let us put all those kids, you know, on one bus. And if right now they're talking about 20 kids to a bus, well, you know, we can't afford to send five, six buses, um, you know, out for a track meet. You know, that's just not realistic. Um, So I, I think track may be one of those that, you know, doesn't start early. I think baseball and softball are feasible because you only got, you know, 12, 15 kids on a team. Um, so they can spread out on the bus. We can spread them out in the dugout. We can, you know, extend dugouts. We, You know, there's things that we can do for those sports to minimize the amount of contact that these kids have with one another, you know, cross-country. Um, possibly, you know, I don't know that volleyball is feasible because they've got to get so close to one another when they're playing. But, you know, tennis, golf, those are the sports we're going to have to start with. Things where we can actually play them with minimal contact, where the kids don't, you know, we don't have to, you know, put a bunch of kids on one bus or we don't have to send eight, you know, four, five, six buses out uh, for a team to go somewhere. And so I, I think that's where we've got to go and what we've got to look at and, and then work, you know, work from there and hope things hope things get better and better and better or we get that, you know, vaccination, whatever it is, and we can get to the point uh, where we can just, you know, move forward from there. Live right now with the athletic director, head football coach, and uh, does multiple things on different boards on their state 
level here at the uh, course. When I say that athletically, uh, with the high school league and coaches, uh, Scott Durham joined us here on the Kemp Farm Hotline from the Georgetown County area. As everybody's season in the state of South Carolina has been put on a little bit of a pause. And, uh, you know, Coach, I guess the other question uh, and the elephant in the room is, remember it was back in March when they shut school down, which shut down the season. Now, is there a way, is there a conversation that's being had to say, look, if these kids stay home, can we still, and let them be homeschooled, as you would see, like and I'm going to mention Tim Tebow did it, where he was able to be homeschooled and played high school sports, but can we do that and still salvage a season or these kids, it's mandatory that we have the schools open. Without that, these kids don't even see a playing field at all. Well, you know, we have, um, obviously, you know, we have rules in place in terms of a kid can be homeschooled and, and play at the school, and, and that, you know, in the attendance zone where he lives. So, you know, that's, you know, that's feasible. And obviously, we, you know, we have virtual school where kids can go to school online the problem is going to be if we you know it's going to come down to just logistics if we are not able to have the kids in the school building because the numbers are so high that it's not safe to have those kids sitting together in a classroom then how can we say hey it's safe to put them on a school bus and send them somewhere to play a game um, you know, right. that's kind of the way you got to look at it. Yeah, we have those other alternative options. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say, hey, I'm not sending my kid back to school. I'm going to homeschool him or I'm going to do virtual school. You know, as long as they're enrolled in the school or, the, you know, they're you're strictly homeschooled and, they, you know, in that attendance zone, they can play sports if we have them. But like I said, if we, don't have, if we don't have physical school where kids are coming to school every day, we're not going to have sports because they, you know, they're just not going. You know, that, that, that's you know, the, the two things don't don't uh, work together. They, they have to work together. We have to have people sitting in the classrooms in order to say we can put people on a bus and send them off to play games. Yeah, no doubt about it, Coach. Uh, the final thing I want to catch up with in this, of course, uh, break last week, and that was the twelve charter schools. You knew this was coming, I'm sure, but twelve charter schools that were given the okay to kind of keep things moving. And then publicly there has been schools in the 5A that I've talked to, 4A that I've talked to, even all the way down to 1A that is pro all about opening up the enrollment for uh, the opportunity to go wherever you want, right, and and to play wherever you want to play. Uh, And with that, Coach, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on that. And, of course, uh, the pros and the cons of an open campus, if you will, in the pool level, and I'm talking about the Andrews, the Georgetowns, the Sockestees up there where you are, and of course, all the schools down here uh, that would just be able to kind of go wherever they want to go. Well, you know, first of all, as far as the private school, charter school thing, you know, their argument, of course, is that they're being singled out and they're being treated differently. My argument would simply be, well, you're not really, because let's take, let's, let's take an example, and, and just as an example, use Woodland High School. So Woodland High School is the only high school in its school district. So that means that any kid that comes to Woodland High School would be under the same rules as any kid that would go to a private or charter school because they would act like a single school district. So if those kids came from outside outside of that attendance zone to Woodland High School, 
you know, and there's been obviously plenty of other ones around the state, but what just use Woodland as the closest example, you know, those, anybody coming into there would, would fall under those rules. So I don't understand, you know, what the court ruling was. Um, you know, I don't, I don't get it. I, I but it is what it is. I, I'm, you know, within a within a single school district, we have pretty much open enrollment anyway. You know, in, in Berkeley County, if a kid's at Goose Creek and and he's upset or wants, you know, whatever, wants to leave and wants to go play at Stratford or go play at Berkeley or Hannah Hannah Cane Bay, he can go there as long as the superintendent signs off on him going to that school, then he's eligible to to play athletics right away. Um, now, you know, you know, but where we were trying to, to, to fix things is a kid going from a Berkeley County school to a Dorchester County school. Well, now that's a, that's a situation where those two people, those two schools aren't under the control of the same school, the same superintendent. So now, you know, that's a different scenario. That's, that's an out of district transfer. And that's kind of where everything was going. We're trying to simplify those rules. You know, and you get to the point. These these charter schools and 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 private schools, you know, they have an advantage. They know they have an advantage. Um, you know, they can sit here and argue whatever they want. They clearly have an advantage, and that's fine. You know, if it's that important to you to to, to win all these championships, and you know, go ahead. Um, you know, I'm just gonna worry about the kids that I got, and I'm gonna worry about the kids that show up at Andrews High School, and, and I'm gonna coach them the best I can and try to make them the best people. Uh, you know that they can possibly be, and 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 I, ain't, you know, to heck with all this other stuff. If it's if it's that doggone important, then then uh, you know let, let them do whatever they want to do. But you you know you're right. I've talked to many coaches, and they're saying, well, heck, if you know, why don't we just open it up and let anybody go everywhere? You know, if that's what we want to do, then do it. It'll be chaos for a while. You know, um, you know, a lot of times what these kids figure out jumping from one place to another is, you know, hey, heck, it may not be any better over there than it is over here. Um, but, you know, whatever. I, I know this. If you, you know, you run a really, you run a good program where you care about your kids, you do everything you can to, to help your kids become better people and better players, you know, they're not going to take off and leave for the most part. They're going to stick around. Some of them are, though. They're going to go, let them go. You know, I, I'm kind of tired of, tired of dealing with the whole thing and, and uh, just ready to move on and focus on our kids. And, uh, you know, I, it's going to get to a point, obviously, as charters, more charter systems, charter schools come in. Eventually there will be enough of them where we can put them in their own classification. Uh, right now the problem is they're just not enough. Uh, once we get enough of them, they, we can just put them in their own classification and then they can just fight with each other. Uh, but, you know, until we get to that point, we're going to have to deal with it. But like I said, I, I'm just – I'm worried about us and, and, and the heck with all that. If, they, if it's that important to them, then they can go, you know, have at it. I tell you, Coach, and I, and I knew this was something close to you for multiple things. And, of course, uh, you know, I, I love to give everybody the opportunity to speak on this. Again, you know, there, it, it's from different angles, uh, from different ways. And, and let me ask you this. There's a new coach about, what, 30 minutes from your campus to his campus. Jimmy Noonan is now the new head football coach down there at Georgetown High School. Of course, you know Jimmy from your days here in uh, the Low Country. Have you guys, uh, have y'all connected yet? And, and what kind of conversations have you and him had? Because Georgetown and Andrews, man, that's an old school robbery. It is, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, Coach Dunn and I've had, you know, we have a great relationship so far. We've 
talked, uh, you know, many times. He's reached out with, you know, to me with with questions about, you know, how things are done in Georgetown County and the surrounding areas, and and I've had talks about that. And of course, he's the AD there as well. So we've been in several uh, district AD meetings together, and and uh, you know, it is a rivalry. Obviously, you know, it's it's a big deal to both both schools to to beat the other one and. You know, but I've had a great relationship with with all the coaches that have been in Georgetown in my time here, and uh, you know, it, it's easy to put all that stuff aside. We just, you know, we like to compete, and you know, we we want to do the best we can for our kids, and and uh, you know, I, there's not too many coaches that that you know I don't get along with. We all tend to get along extremely well with one another for the most part, and uh, you know, Jimmy's a good guy and going to do a good job, and. And uh, you know, hopefully, bring some stability there. They've gone through quite a few coaches at Georgetown over the last few years, and I'm sure he'll uh, kind of stabilize that situation and, uh, and kind of get them, uh, you know, doing the best he can. And you know, we've got a, you know, we're we're you know, we've got a new superintendent here as well. Just started a couple of weeks ago, coming in from uh, Richland, whatever district in Richland County, where Blythewood and Ridgeview that district. So. Um, you know, hopefully we're going to get some changes made here and a little bit more emphasis on athletics and, and, and kind of move our district forward to catch up some of the ones around us in terms of funding and that sort of thing. So Jim and I are actually going to hopefully work together on a lot of that stuff. And, and uh, we'll be, you know, Jimmy's president of the Football Coaches Association, so we'll be sitting in the same room tomorrow trying to figure all this stuff out. So, yeah, we, we, we've got a, you know, a good relationship so far. Well, Coach, as always, you're always willing to jump in here with me and hang out with me, whether it be for 30 minutes, an hour, or however and I do appreciate that. Of course, to li- giving you the green light, man, I-, I can tell you one thing, man. These coaches are great, but their wives uh, are the backbone of-, of that whole success story. I know your 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 other half there has put up with a lot. You know, I've got two boys there that are playing stop still, and uh, I just want to say thanks for taking the time away from the boys and her and hanging out for about 30 minutes to 35 minutes with me, Coach. Oh, no doubt. Uh, always glad to do it. You know, uh, one thing I, I've always uh, always told people and try to tell young coaches and, and uh, you know, tell them one thing. Number one, and this was the best piece of advice, advice I ever got, first head coach I ever worked for, Rodney Graves, who's the principal of Broome High School now. You know, he told me and another young coach. He said, uh, "Before you, before you ask a, a a woman to marry you, said you make sure she goes through a full calendar year with you, so she understands what your life is like." And uh, you know, that's great advice that I always try to give our young coaches. But the thing I tell them is, understand this: there's a special place in heaven uh, for coaches' wives. Uh, you know, they're all you know, special people, and they're, they're very supportive, and, and uh, mine certainly is. And we couldn't do what we do without them. And, and, and you're right, they're, they're uh, you know, they are a big, big piece of the puzzle. And uh, so we're always appreciative of them and, you know, appreciative of what you guys do for, for high school sports in this state. And I'm always glad to jump on and help out anytime you need me. Always, buddy. Uh, let me know next time you're running through. Don't wait until you get to Somerville and tell me the, the traffic's bad. I was like, man, I would have loved to catch up and, and grab some moves with you, man. So uh, you know how to do it, man. We'll uh, we'll catch up. I might head home this weekend. If I do, I'll catch up with you. If you head this way, do the same, buddy. But uh, God bless you. Tell the family we said hello and stay safe. All right, man. I appreciate it. All right, guys. There you go. Of course, he is the athletic director. He's the head football coach. He's a husband and a father, too. He does it all, of course, uh, and helps us 
at Southern Sports Central with CEOs over there at Andrews High School in uh, Andrews, South Carolina, just outside of Georgetown. Of course, uh, that is the county that Andrew was in as well. We've got a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap it all up here for the final minutes. If you want to join us, you can do it. You can call in. You can tell us your thoughts, your opinions. Maybe it's not about football. Maybe you kind of want to jump in and hang out. We'd love to hear from you on the show here tonight. You can do that just by picking up the phone and pushing 323-784-9681. That's the number to get in here with us. Quick break, come back, final segment, and we'll give you a heads up on who's coming on Thursday night. It's already in in writing. We'll be right back, guys. This is Southern Sports Central on Blog Talk Radio. Just a bit of a break from the norm Just a little something to break the monotony Of all that hardcore dance That has gotten to be a little bit out of control It's cool to dance, but what about a groove That soothes and moves romance Give me a soft, subtle mix And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it And think of the summers of the past Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast Pop in my CD and let me run around And put your car on cruise and lay back Cause this is summertime Everybody come looking real fine, fresh from the barbershop, applauding the beauty salon. 
Every moment fronting and maxing, chilling in the car, they spent all day waxing. Leaning to the side, but you can't speed through two miles an hour, so everybody sees you. There's an air of love and of happiness, and this is the Fresh Prince's new definition of summer madness. And welcome back, everybody. The bottom has just dropped out, not just in high school football for the summer workouts, but here in Somerville. Boy, I tell you what, it was one loud boom in the rain. Boy, did they come down. I tell you what, it has definitely been uh, quite a year. I just posted on my personal page on Facebook, Flying Snakes. Are you kidding me? Man, I want to get out. I don't want anything to do with 2020. I can't wait. To get to 2021, if Siri could beam me to 2021, I'd appreciate it. As uh, it has been a year to, man, forget, I can promise you. And it started early with Kobe Bryant, and uh, it seems like it just hasn't stopped. I mean, I don't know about you, Eugene, man, but, uh, man, where are those Hoppin' Johns when you need it, man? I don't know. Who didn't eat their Hoppin' Johns on New Year's Eve, man? Yeah, you know, I was texting my son the article about the flying snakes, and I said, one more thing to add to your calendar, man, you know. He's got this running calendar of 2020 with the murder hornets and COVID and fires in Australia and this, that, and the other. So, well, here's one more just flying snakes, man. So, uh, he's having fun with that one and putting it in in, in the calendar. No doubt about it. Now, uh, we do want to thank all of our guests here tonight who joined us. Just recently, we had uh, the head football coach, athletic director. He wears multiple hats around the state of South Carolina. He's on a few boards along the way with the high school league and coaches. And uh, Scott Durham, of course, uh, you know, jumps in whenever we need him. And I do appreciate all of our coaches that join us throughout our broadcast. Now, don't forget, we're live again for the final show of the week. No show on Sunday. It's going to be a little vacation for the guys here at Southern Sports Central. We'll take Friday, Saturday, and Sunday away to spend with our families and be socially distanced, but yet, at least make a few memories along the way. But so we got to go big when we're going to go out on Thursday night. And we'll, of course, be with Jay Williams. He is with the South Carolina Youth Football Association. He's commissioner. My question to him is, well, they shut down. Do you shut down? We'll find out that answer on Thursday. We might already have it by Thursday. Then at 7 o'clock, how about this one? He is a top 50 baseball player in the country. He's in high school. He's class 21. He's the catcher for the Somerville Green Wave. We tried to get him with us on Sunday, but, well, he's out there playing baseball. He's playing with the Canes. These kids have charter buses, and they're doing big things all across the country. I believe he was in Alabama over the weekend playing, but he is a top 50 uh, prospect coming out of high school. He's also committed to play for the game. Like that, the Thunder Rollers, just to give him an extra boom. Then at 7.30, we go to Sackersby High School with the new coach, Ben Hampton. Coach Hamp joins us at 7.30. His season in the summer workouts has been paused as well. We'll talk about his transition as he's the newest coach on the block over at Sackersby in Horry County. What has it meant to him to have a little bit of time with his guys, as we heard from James Island's coach? Why not go up to Grand Strand and find out from him? Then we go to Columbia, where Ridgeview High School 
And Perry Parks, he played his college days at Coastal. He, of course, coached over at Cedar Grove with that phenomenal coaching tree, and now he's doing it big at Ridgeview, finishing very short of a state championship around, of course, uh, the Palmetto State. He'll join us at 8 o'clock, and we're waiting on one more guy to possibly round up our 8.30. So, again, Eugene, you can see we have a lot going on, and people keep asking me that question, well, there's no sports. What's to talk about? Man, COVID-19 has busted the topic wide open. We are a lot busier right now than we usually are this time of year without a COVID. I can promise you that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, usually this time of year, you kind of bounce around going to the practices and checking in on players and development, new coaches, you know, and new assistant coaches and kind of, you know, learning what's going on. And, you know, it's kind of, yeah, I went out to practice today. You had some guys look good, but with no balls, there's nothing too exciting going on out there. So, uh, you know, this has a whole other element. You know, every day is do we even have football today? Do we have football tomorrow? Will we have football in the fall at all? Will there be people in the stands? Will there be bands? So it's kind of a there's, – there's just so many what-ifs, and it seems like the target just changes every day. It's a moving or, – or the goalpost, I should say. You know, you line up to kick a ball, and it seems like the goalpost just gets moved every time we turn around. So it, it adds some, uh, as you would call, some excitement to it. Uh, definitely something, you know, to, to track and keep up with every single day. Yeah, no doubt about it. I want to thank all of our guests tonight. Of course, uh, Reginald Walker, he joined us at 6.30, as always, on Tuesday nights to check in, to say hello and see what's going on. Of course, uh, he did that, and uh, it was 30 solid minutes there with him. And then we went over with, uh, well, Matthew. He is uh, the founder and the man in charge of the South Carolina Youth Softball. Of course, Youth Diabetes Association, but he has the softball league that he does over there uh, as the lights are going and off here in the stadium. So we do apologize. I'm kind of – you know, shocked how bad the rain's come out of nowhere, Eugene, over here at the studio. And then we had the real McCoy. Yeah, the Coach McCoy from James Island joined us. And, uh, man, I tell you what was fun about him is that we talked a lot about the Trojans in the beginning and at the end, but the middle part of the sandwich was a lot of business, a lot of what would you do if you were the decision maker. So he uh, made some great points with us there. And, uh, you, you know, you, you start to kind of put everything in, in uh, I would say, perspective. And then, without a moment's notice, I reached out to the athletic director, head football coach, and Andrews, and he, of course, did the same thing. And you know what, Eugene? All of our guests on a regular basis are very humble. They're very eager, and they're open to getting here with us. I will say this about us. We're different because I feel that my job is to never do reruns. Yes, we have the 630 segment with Reginald. But this is the guy that played at Penn State for Joe Pa. You got to give him the time. You got to give him the minutes. You got to give him an opportunity, and he does all of those great things. And then I'm not going to not give the commissioner for the South Carolina Youth Football Association, uh, you know, uh, the cold shoulder. Oh, no. He gets time at Thursday at 6.30, and we talk about the youth because that's what we're here for. And if you notice on Sundays, we do campus tours more than any other day because – Sunday family day here at Southern Sports Central. We try to focus on, and again, not that these other coaches aren't, but then again, you just kind of look at it and you kind of put it all in perspective. And again, you know, when you start to look around at our list and you see who all we had on tonight, I thought, without doubt, solid from the beginning to the end. And Matthew Scott, of course, uh, promoting and educating and doing the right thing for the Diabetes Association and the youth of diabetes. 
and you heard him mention so many guys who deal with it. Jay Cutler, Elliot Fry, you and I know Elliot really well. He's a former Gamecock. Uh, he does a lot of great things still here in the area, and uh, there's a lot of those guys who are continuing to do great things, man. And, uh, again, I hope you guys, wherever you are, if it's raining like it is here in Somerville, you're staying safe because, I tell you, if you look out your window, and, uh, man, it is the definition of what COVID-19 kind of looks like. Uh, a great show tonight. Uh, again, we want to thank all of our uh, listeners who may listen for the first time. We're live on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays from 6 to 9, three solid hours. You can follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central, and you can find us over there on the worldwide Twitter thing, doing our stuff over there at SO Sports Central as well. Of course, Instagram. And, Eugene, I still got to get you logged on to Instagram, dude. You're more of the picture taker than me. And, uh, hey, why not get that out there as well? But uh, a big show coming up on Thursday. I had planned on going to some football practices on Friday, but the good Lord said not today. So, Friday. But, uh, Eugene, again, I don't know. I really don't know if these kids are even going to make it to school because even on a normal day without COVID-19 or anything else, it's hard enough to separate them. And you got a place like Wando over there in Mount Pleasant or Dorman up there in the upstate or just right down the road from the studio here, Somerville High School with that many kids. It's hard. And then you got to think about it. Coach Durham said this, how do we get all these kids to the field and separate them? How do you get them from the home to the schoolhouse? separating their school buses are tight and they need every inch they can to get these kids to that learning facility that they're going to so again while we focus on what do we do with football it might take care of it fortunately if there's no school eugene yeah no doubt and he raised a good point because when the high school league commissioner was doing the uh video conference last uh earlier in the week and i was on that you know and people kept asking the question it was never answered was will we have sports if there's no in-house school? And that question was never answered. And, uh, you know, Coach Durham, you know, God love him. He was, you know, brave enough, man enough, whatever you want to use the term. He put his chin out there and he said, look, you know, he's he's part of the, the – he's an athletic director as well as the coach, and he's in both of those, you know, prominent groups. And he said, you know, maybe maybe the coaches can get together. You know, we just don't want to leave it up to the high school league because, you know, he, he didn't seem too confident in, in their ability to make a decision what – he felt would be, you know, the best for the kids. But what he did say was, you know, there's he didn't see any way if there was no in-house schooling, could there be in-house games? Because, because it's the same guideline. If we can't sit them next to each other or, or, or a few feet apart in the classroom, I mean, I was just thinking to myself, then how's a kid going to tackle a kid but not supposed to touch? Mm. You know what I mean? How's right. an offensive lineman supposed to block a defensive lineman if you can't touch? How are you going to bus everybody to a game? You're going to have to take five or six buses? Come on. Schools, some schools are lucky to have one or two. And it just, you right. know, I can see that. I can see where it wouldn't be feasible to do that if you can't have them sit in the classroom. So, you know, kudos to him for, for, for being as bold as he is and, and for saying those things. And, you know, sometimes it's just things that people don't want to say. But, uh, you know, he, he's a man of conviction. And, you know, he said what he had to say. And I, I respect him for that. Yeah, because there's a lot of things, and they're going to be uncomfortable conversations. There's going to be some answers that you're not want to hear. But the reality part of it is we have to got to put our youth in the best successful position as possible. And I'm going to step outside the sports world real fast and say this. 
there's a lot of kids who rely on those meals throughout the season of there's a school year and they're not getting them right now and they're not getting them and they may not have gotten them since they've left school in March. It's a lot bigger than what's on the field. Yes, we're a sports show. Yes, we want to talk football. Yes, we miss what we miss. But we're not missing many meals. At least I'm not missing any meals. And if you're a student out there and you're missing a meal, reach out to me. Follow me on Facebook at Richie Altman. You'll see me in front of an OT at the uh, Channel 2 screen behind me. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Richie Altman. Shoot me an inbox. Or you can follow us on our Twitter page at Southern Sports Central, which is SO Sports Central, and inboxes. We'll take care of you. We want to make sure that everybody has what they need to have. All right, it's a lot bigger, guys. I know we're talking football. We're talking sports. But, man, oh, man, and the kids, they got to eat, man. You know, this is this is a big deal, Eugene, and I think sometimes we forget about it. We get so selfish and self-righteous at times, and we think about ourselves. But the reality of it all is that there's so many other things right now that have got to take the forefront. And um, when you put everything in play, when, when, when you see everything going on, at the end of the day, it, 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 just, uh, it, it softens your heart. It, it puts things into a different role. And, uh, and things, um, you start to kind of uh, put everything into play and uh, you try to understand, you know, hey, realistically, we just have to put ourselves in a better place than where we are right now, Eugene. Yeah, no doubt, man. And uh, hopefully I don't lose you. As you said, the storm is hitting. Uh, the power has flickered about twice in the last minute while you were just talking. So hopefully I don't lose you here in a second. I know it got the... Uh, the show running right now through internet base, but uh, holding out. <laughs> it is coming down pretty hard, no doubt. It hit you first, but now it's uh, we're getting a good pounding here. Nice thunder and lightning and some heavy rain. But um, you know, I just uh, want to continue to say everybody be safe, man. Whether it's, I know a lot of people are on the road traveling. Uh, I've seen a lot of the roads, like I told you on the way back from Columbia. The highways were already packed with people on the road, but you know, hopefully people are staying safe and uh, if they're out venturing in new places. They Keep that in mind so they don't bring stuff home. And, uh, you know, really really just want to play some sports. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about coaches. It's about the kids. You know, so many kids are putting their heart and soul in this, been training for years. You know, as you look at the college ranks, a lot of them get a redshirt season. You don't get that in high school. There is no redshirt season. So, you know, it's best to give these kids the opportunity to compete when, they have, when they're healthy enough to do it. Uh, but that's going to be the key is keeping everybody healthy. So just everybody stay safe. Uh, we'll see you and talk to you Thursday night. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll be back live Thursday night. Don't forget, the lineup is all but set. We are missing maybe one that will join us. Starting at 630, we'll check in with Jay Williams. Of course, he is with the uh, high school – excuse me, he is with the South Carolina Youth Football Association. Then Cole Messina, he is a class of 2021, a top 50 player in the country, the catcher, committed to the Gamecocks, the University of South Carolina. He's, of course – Currently playing over at Somerville High School. He'll join us at 7 o'clock. 7.30, Coach Hampton joins us. That's Ben Hampton, the head football coach from Sockasee. Perry Parks, we go to Columbia, where Ridgeview High School's on, joins us at 8 o'clock. And, Quinn, so many great things. We're waiting on one more confirmation to get in here with us, and that is another coach that hopefully is going to join us. And he'll, of course, uh, check in with us and uh, just kind of give us an update. And that's kind of how it's going to go. Going forward for a while, we're going to keep talking to coaches. We're going to keep talking to players. You know, and if the season doesn't happen, guess what? 
We'll continue to talk to coaches and players. We'll continue to do whatever we got to do to get them heard and possibly seeing if it's possible, guys. I do want to thank our listeners. I want you to stay safe. Eugene said it just a minute ago. A lot of people traveling. And if you're hitting the roads early because maybe your boss is that kind of guy or that kind of girl and says, hey, go ahead and take off. Make sure that we're taking off with the right steps. Make sure you're wearing a mask. I know it's not the most comfortable thing, but neither is the result of what we're dealing with right now. Again, if you're in Somerville, if you're in multiple cities around the state of South Carolina, if you're in the whole state of North Carolina, you got to wear a mask. All right? Again, you know, one step, one person, one, one day at a time, we'll get there. On behalf of all of us at Southern Sports Central, we wish you guys nothing but happiness, safe distancing, and until Thursday night at 6 o'clock, we hope you guys enjoy the remainder of your, Thursday, your Tuesday night. We'll see you again here soon. Again, coming to you live on Thursday night, 6 p.m. sharp for three solid hours. Follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and on Twitter at SO Sports Central. Guys, until next time, God bless. Take care. We'll see you soon, guys. Where it began I can't begin to know it But then I know it's growing strong Wasn't the spring And spring became the summer Who'd have believed you'd come along Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you. Touching one.